Hey, what's up, everybody? Hey, welcome to a uh, bonus episode of Pop Culture Leftovers. This is one. This is one I've been looking forward to. Uh, I've been kind of talking back and forth with Sean Simmons, the creator of Wayne on YouTube Premium, a show that I blasted through the first weekend that it came out on YouTube, and this was incredible. Uh, yeah, this was one that was being touted as from you know the guys that brought you Deadpool, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, the writers of Deadpool. Little did I know that there was another guy that actually was uh, involved in this series that's actually the creator of the series, Sean Simmons, and uh, he listened to our episode where we reviewed Wayne on Pop culture leftovers and kind of like thanked us for like loving the show and it's like hey you don't have to thank us for making an incredible show and then i did something crazy and i said sean would you like to come on pop culture leftovers and talk with us and he agreed and this is what this conversation is about it's just me and rebecca talking to sean simmons the creator of wayne and just having a blast like Half of the time, it felt like some of the time we weren't even talking about Wayne. We talked about Flava Flav, Brett Michaels. We talked about the Marvel movies. We talked about everything in between. It was just a fantastic, fun time. And uh, at times, I felt like the third wheel here because Rebecca and Sean were just like, they were just they were just the BFFs of this episode. So, um, but no, honestly, we had a great time. It was such a fun interview. And I hope to talk to Sean again in the future. But we talk about Wayne. We talk about the possibility of season two and what he has planned. Um, there's some great stories about the twins, the Champagne Brothers in this one. There's a story about these guys in this episode that we talk about. You're not going to want to miss this story. Me and Rebecca were both cracking up. So here he is, Sean Simmons. There's already like seven million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carryover, counterculture, pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. It's true. Like I, I think, um, I think you and I had a, a convo on on Twitter, Sean, where I basically recommend Wayne to everybody. Anybody that's like, "What should I watch next?" I'm like, "Watch Wayne on YouTube Premium." Like that's that my go to answer yeah. to everyone because I want. A second season, and I want more people to love this show. It's uh, it it feel. There's a funny thing that happens. You you put something out, and you know you, by pushing it, you always risk the return that someone will hate it, or you'll get a bad review. But with this so far, it's been so unanimous uh, that it's been nice. That you know, after a while, you feel like really confident about throwing it anybody's way, and you know kind of, uh, like you're saying, recommending it, uh, because it's just been people seem to, seem to get it and love mm-hmm. it and, and across a lot of demographics, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, unbeknownst to you guys, I'm recording right now, so we, we, <gasps> oh, no. we're doing this. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, I, you know, uh, I noticed that, like, Wayne had, like, uh, what was it, 10 million, was it 10 million views on YouTube within, like, the first, like, weekend or something? It was 10 million within five days. Wow. That's yeah. incredible. Oh that, that's incredible. I think we're up to, we're closing in on 18 now. Yeah. Which is cool. 
Um, you know, it's, and I noticed that like, you know, YouTube premium stuff is, you know, this weird city show seems to be doing well, um, which is a really cool show. It's anthology. It's so different from Wayne, which is nice. They have variety. Um, and other shows seem to be since Wayne came on, you know, bumping up in numbers. So it just kind of shows you that it takes a while to build a platform and have enough shows that people are around and watching the other stuff. Yeah. You know, that comes on. So, yeah. We're seeing that with, uh, uh with yeah. Netflix. Like they always have something new coming out. And, um, I, I don't know, like with Wayne I, I, before YouTube for me was just like, Oh, that's Cobra Kai. That's where we're going to go to watch right. Cobra Kai season two. And, but, but when Wayne came, like when I first saw the trailer for Wayne, like we plugged it on the show and I was just like, this looks incredible. And like, Sean, I didn't even know about your influence on the show. Cause everybody was just touting this as like Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, the guys from Deadpool. And I love those guys. I think they're fantastic. I love Zombieland. And I was like, okay, I got to watch this show. And then I go to Wikipedia and it's, it's talking about this guy named Sean Simmons. And I'm like, who's this guy? What's this guy's deal? Like, who, oh, this is the creator of the show. So I was just like, I was just like, I got to know more about Sean Simmons now. So, yeah, I'm glad to have you on the show. Man. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, that the process of how everything kind of went down was, uh, you know, I was having, you know, I, I wrote for some like 11 years, I think, on different, so many different varieties of things. And I had you know, a couple network jobs, you know, with half hour comedies. And then, you know, you have kids. And one of the things that always kind of can, can hurt you at the same time as helping your, you know, bank account because you have two kids is taking any job that came along. Mm. And I did that, no doubt. And it was, you know, I've, again, two kids, man, you start taking any job that comes along because you don't know when the next job is going to come along. Right. right. So, you know, ended up on a, just a variety of stuff, like even from like, one thing to the next was so different. I ended up doing like Mr. Pickles on Adult Swim, which is insane. Oh gosh, and, with, the, with, uh, the, with the dog. Yes, I, I was. Yeah. I'm so glad, Sean. I'm so glad you brought up Mr. Pickles. It was I, when I was researching your your um, IMDb profile, and it said you were a writer for Mr. Pickles. I said, Oh my God, this makes so much yes. sense. I get it now. <laughs> like because Mr. Pickles is one of those shows that. It's just so it's so wild and out there that like I'm compelled to watch it. Like I don't know what I'm watching, but I must watch more of this. And and I, I still enjoy watching Mr. Pickles uh on, on Adult Swim, but I totally see um I see the connection between that and Wayne. It's it's pretty clear to me anyway. Yeah, I mean that's what kind of gravitated. I you know, it's a funny thing. I always say that show is just like what is it? Thirteen minutes of contained madness. It is, yeah, it is not. I, rem- I remember seeing the pilot for that before I jumped on and interviewed and all that, and just I don't. I there was a. I had a certain uneasiness. Like I was uncomfortable watching it. It was like really disturbing too. Like there's a kid. You know, there's a six year old kid out there with leg braces, and he ends right. up getting a boob job by mistake. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know. That kind of shit. And yeah. you're just like, there's this kid walking around with breasts, and you're like, people are like turned on, and then like realize they're looking at a kid and going, to, and it, it was just, it's so disturbing. And I think that was after having done network for so long, and then doing some kid stuff, 
um, which I'll I'll talk about uh, you know at some point because I'll, I'll talk about how kid stuff kind of influences everything in the end. Um, you know, it it was a real nice place to get away and do everything you could never do on normal stations. Like we were just doing everything a writer wanted to do, disgusting, disturbing, and get it all out. You know. So adult swim, um, adult swim, they they let you push the envelope because like I I used to watch Moral Oral and I mean there's a mm-hmm. lot of stuff going on in Adult Swim that I'm just like shocked at. And Metalocalypse was one yeah. of my favorites. <gasps> oh my god, dude! That I have so much so I have so much love for Metalocalypse. You have no idea. I, that show it's is so insane. crazy too. I love that show. Uh, I'm so, oh, oh gosh, I'm, will you be my best friend, Sean? I feel like we already We are, are best friends. It's already, okay, it's cool. already happened. Okay. It's already happened. I'm, I'm just going to sign off, guys. I'll just let you guys like finish <laughs> okay, the rest bye, of the Brian. show. <laughs> I'm like the third wheel in shit. This room for you, Brian. I, no, I, I feel like, I feel like vending machine boy in, in, in Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! I, that actor, Peyton Meyer. I used to watch him on. Met. I used to watch him on Girl Meets World. Man, I'm not even kidding. <laughs> I'm telling you, that guy is. I don't know why he's not the new Jason Bourne. Like he's like incredible. He tried out. He actually auditioned for Wayne. Yeah. And he gave the best performance. But you know, we're talking about a character. I always you know, imagined as he was originally kind of imagined as a chubby in the script. Someone calls him a fat shit, you know, you fat piece of shit or something shaved head, kind of punk rock kid. Who's a little bigger than most kids his age. His clothes are a little too small for his body, that type of thing. Yeah. And it was always supposed to be kind of like a King Kong story with Dell. He's King Kong and Dell's, but Dell's the explosive version of the, you know, the female character who was, <laughs> um, you know, basically riding around with this king, this explosive monster. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, Peyton came in first and he gave such, like, the acting chops is so good and funny. He was yeah. just too handsome and too buff and a little too old looking. And, like, I just, I had to find something for him. So he ended up knocking it out of the park being so funny in this. Yeah. He's episode. great. I no, I'm not even joking. I used to watch because I was a big fan of Boy Meets World. So I was like, I'm gonna watch Girl Meets World when that comes out, just because of the nostalgia right. factor. And the kid, you watched him kind of like he embraced that comedic side of his character. And I was like, yeah, this kid is good. You know, like I can tell with like certain yeah. young actors like Nick Robinson. I was like, I, yeah, this kid's on Melissa and Joey right now, but this kid's got some acting skills. This kid has great comedic timing. And we're seeing Nick Robinson blow up and love Simon. And then uh, Peyton, what's his name? Peyton? Peyton Meyer. Peyton Meyer. Seeing him like right? in this, I was just like, oh, my goodness, it's him. He's awesome. I love this kid. So I was happy to see him in this season. And hopefully we'll get to see more of him in the future. So I Yeah, my yeah. – my thing is I always I would just walk around going, How is he not like on like an hour action show or is he not the new Jason Bourne or yeah. is he not he's really good. Like if I ever end up doing like a straight action thing, he's definitely going in it. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I liked him. I seriously this cast that you put that, that you've put together here, I was kind of blown away. I'm a huge fan of Michaela Watkins from Casual on Hulu. Me too. And when you when I saw that she was cast as Wayne's mother, I was like, oh, man, this is this is incredible because you're throwing in so many of like my favorite like 
uh, actors into this series. Uh, you know, uh, love, I love Mike O'Malley, and I saw uh, seeing him, and this was fantastic. I mean, you really pulled together. He's so good, very good, very good. You've really that principal pulled- scene. I always call that principal scene as master class. Like that principal's office scene in the pilot is just. I could watch that a hundred times. It's great. It's really, mm. really good. Hey, hey, Sean, if you don't mind, I'm just going to kind of segue in here with a quick question. Since we're talking about the the um, about the principal character, um, so I have a good friend who is an, an an educator. That scene towards the end of the series where he goes to give his speech and he's, you know, we see him plagiarize it completely from the internet, and then of course another guy did that, so he can't give the same speech, and then he gets up there and he's just. He's just real. He's just so raw about what it is to be an educator. Uh, I'm just so interested to know, like, were you ever in education and you felt this way? Or was this character based on people that you know that are in education? I think there's a lot of little bits. I, after my, was it college? I was a substitute teacher for like a year. Okay. And... It was at Brockton High School. It was at the high school that I'm kind of fashioning the one in the show out of. And, you know, it was it's one of the biggest schools on that side of the Mississippi. And there were, you know, it's 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 a big place. I mean, I think at one point they had like we had like four and a half thousand students in that school. Oh, wow. Um, it's a it's a huge school. And a lot of, you know, Brockton, we fought every weekend. We went to see a fight every weekend. We'd meet at weird places like. You know, we hung out at a place called The Rock, and there was just a, ro- a giant rock in the middle of the woods, and there was always a fight, or the Burger King parking lot, or wherever it was, there was a fight every weekend. Sometimes they were advertised, you know, just basically kids walking around going, you know, this guy's fighting this guy this weekend. We meet up there at The Rock at 9 o'clock, you know. And, yeah, so it wasn't, I don't, I don't, there were times where you absolutely felt Un- unsafe just based on some of these kids were up to some stuff with their I remember one kid going I'm gonna have my cousin come for you oh wow and and you're going like oh yeah I forgot about it. I could be at the movies on the weekend and this kid's cousin could come for me you know um so yeah it was a tougher thing I got a little you know got a little look into you know, what it's like to teach at a school like that and with giant classroom size and, you know, kind of, you know, weapons and drugs around and here and there. And, you know, it's a great school. They, they, they actually graduate a lot of kids into college, a uh, high college rate and everything. But when I went there, it was, you know, I would say it was definitely one of those tougher schools. When I went out and pitched the show, you know, the funniest thing, every time, the first thing that came up on YouTube at the time when you put in Brockton, Massachusetts, was like Pitbull Barbecue. Like monster dudes around with Pitbulls having a barbecue, and you're like, there's definitely a lot of guns in that party. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I thought the Pitbulls were doing the barbecuing, and I thought, wow, now that's oh. interesting and incredible. That's and a delightful town. That would be great. And how do I get there? And how can I pet the dogs? Um, like, that would be my number one question. That's the town in all the paintings where like the dogs are playing cards, right? Yeah. Oh, no, exactly. We need a new one. Okay, gotcha. We oh, need my, a new one. If yeah, if Principal Cole owns the dogs, they're all dead. That's true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I, here's oh, a question I got. You were just talking about Pitbull Barbecue. 
are there pizza restaurants that are mentioned in the town, ta- like by the characters, like Sergeant Geller? Are they real? Are these real pizza places yeah. that you're? Okay, so Townspa Pizza is it is is Cape Cod Cafe Pizza really better by a fucking mile than Townspa Pizza? <laughs> well, it it is one of those very you know decades long arguments. Oh People, wow. You know, I don't know if you have those in your town where people on the air, like from home, argue about what the best pizza is, but people are passionate about that argument where I'm from because there's like four places that people just, you can go on right now and find it. If you go on and put in like, go, the funniest thing is going on to, I think there's a website on Facebook that's like, it's a Brockton, uh, I forget what it's called, but you go on there and it's just basically like any website, it's people just being incredibly angry and mad and trolling and you know um but there there are several dozen threads of arguing about cape cod and town spa i guarantee you if we go to town spa pizza like their yelp page right now somebody has already written that cape cod cafe is better by a better than <laughs> better by a fucking mile <laughs> i guarantee you i'm quite sure i'm quite sure that that is that is true <laughs> i was now that i live in la i'm kind of like i was kind of bummed i was secretly hoping they would you know overnight me frozen cape cod pizza but yet it is yet to arrive you're doing free advertisement for them i guarantee it like you're gonna <laughs> t- like what kevin smith did to like the quick stop you're gonna do to cape cod cafe right i i hope to because you know it's god's perfect food it, uh, you know okay here's the thing rebecca's uh, rebecca's from new york <laughs> rebecca's from new york and i'm close i'm about you know two and a half hours away from chicago so i love the you know i like the thick crust and she likes the thin you know new york so me and rebecca we've gotten into right. arguments about pizza in the past oh, all, the, all the time so, yeah. actually, all the time about pizza new, <laughs> new england bar pizza is somewhere in between it's like weird it's pan pizza but it's 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 small it's smaller it's like a 10 inch pizza or something made in those iron pans and mm-hmm. so it's right in between what you're talking about so then we can all argue oh, yeah. with the three distinct styles of the, regional the, there pizza. you go although although yesterday i passed by a place here in new york that said they had detroit style pizza and i am completely unaware to what detroit style pizza is so i'll tell you I, what it is oh, i can tell do. you what it is please do what, i what just learned it? this i just i just <laughs> learned it they actually put like Stuff under the cheese. It's a oh. square pan pizza. Okay. But they like. I noticed they put like the vegetables under the cheese. Um, but yeah, it was. It's you know, it just seems like someone desperate to do something different that doesn't need to be yeah. done. <laughs> I was like, oh, so they just changed the order. That's okay. What? Yeah. Why not? We'll call it a style. Sure. Oh my god! So when the New York yeah. versus, when the New York versus Chicago style pizza arguments start happening, they both gang up on the Detroit asshole, right? Pretty. We yeah. Can, there we you go. Now you have agree. now you have someone. Exactly. That is a common enemy. Brian. Exactly. This is like like it's like He Man and Skeletor like teaming up just to like yell at some random like peasant, you know? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You, now you have Detroit to bully, as if they need uh, Detroit needs to be bullied anymore. Oh no! Yeah, they, they had it too easy for too long over there. Yeah, yeah. some fight uh, in Detroit. Yeah. Li- li- life, life, life in the economy in general has beaten up Detroit. So God, yes, I know. Terrible. Why? I'm let them have their let them have their Jeff pizza. Bezos, Bezos should put Amazon in Detroit. What's the deal? Like, oh. they put Amazon in Detroit. Yeah, we don't need it here and, in New York. Like, they can put it in Detroit. That's fine. 
Help them. Help those people, for God's sake. Put that damn thing in, the, in Detroit. Oh, they, no. oh my God. Yeah. We'll give them their own pizza. With the, with yeah. The, yeah, we're, you screwed up pizza, so we're done with you. I guarantee it causes more problems when somebody orders a pizza over there and they get it and they're like, where's my toppings? And then you got to explain. Now they're yeah. under the cheese blanket. <laughs> welcome, in there? To, uh, welcome to Detroit Talk with Sean Simmons, <laughs> our special guest. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to make you bite into your food to see if what you ordered is there. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh man. So how did you get how did you get hooked up with uh Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick? Oh yeah. Um so I I started I started coming up with uh kind of the concept of Wayne. I was driving to work one day, I was thinking about I'm sure you've read this somewhere already, but I I was uh about eight years old, tough town as we've already covered, and I'm watching this kid who's older than me get beat up by another group of kids. There are like four or five of them. Um, and just getting the shit kicked out of them. And then he, uh, after they were done and tired and started walking away, he got up the victim and picked up another rock and threw it at him. Oh, wow. And so all those kids just came back and started beating his ass again. Just like the opening wow. scene, and opening, opening scene of Wayne here. Exactly. And that never left me that I thought about that a lot because in tough towns like that, you know, with kids who have no mom or no dad or no both, you know, it, you know, you're not going to take a kid's pride as well. He, he doesn't have anything to lose. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of kids like that who just wouldn't back down and thought about that a lot and ran into work one day and I was on some other show and I wrote that opening scene, which is built on one joke of he throws the second rock and he defeats defeats them, you know. Um, and that scene kind of sat there for a while. I didn't know what the show was. I didn't know what the central concept was. And then I was thinking about a lot of the shows that my father in the days of early days of cable uh, kind of raised me on. And those were kind of the revenge thrillers of the 70s and 80s. And there was a lot of Death Wish, Charles Bronson, and mm -hmm. you oh, know, yeah. Dirty Harry. Yeah, stuff like that, Dirty Harry. All that stuff I should, probably shouldn't have been watching. First Blood, you know, that yeah. Oh, yeah. I grew up lo loving. So that's where, and, that's, where, uh, that's where the Wayne character is kind of inspired by, you know? Yeah, the, the old, they were just 70s versions of Westerns. I mean, mm. and, you know, everybody loves what now we have john wick i'm yeah. a huge fan of drive you know oh i love that um, movie. yeah and you know basically i always i just said to myself what, was it, what would it be like if dirty harry was 16 <laughs> <That's> <laughs> what awesome. would it be like if you know john wick or the guy from you know whatever ryan Gosling's name and drive is i always say uh it was 16 and i kind of did what you guys just did which is kind of laugh and yeah so suddenly i had this kind of uh, you know, urban Western with, uh, you know, a kid with shit luck who has nothing to lose. And, um, and I kind of, that's where it started. And I, I ended up writing Wayne based on kind of a, I would say kind of a, a blueprint of a journey that was, you know, about the car that was, I always like stories that are like, this car is, you know, this, you know, there's a ring that's been stolen and you have to go to the, this long journey to get back this thing that means more than 
you'd think, you yeah. know, yeah. and it's what happens along the way. So I've always liked that in Southern fiction. That's always been kind of my thing. I love that. And, you know, about this kid and where you belong and inheritance and what just, you know, the, the importance and meaning we put in things that are connected to people. And so I started writing Wayne. I, and, and uh, actually, I didn't start writing it. I walked up to Kirk and Greg's office. Kirk Ward and Greg Coolidge are producers mm-hmm. who wrote Ride Along. They wrote this movie, Ride Along. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, and, uh, that's uh, Kevin, and, Hart, yeah. Kevin Hart and Rock and The Rock, right? Yes. Yeah, it's a great movie. And I've known those guys. What was it? That was a great movie. They, and, and not only a good movie, but a massive, massive hit. Um so, yeah, I, I walked up to their office one day and just started. They asked me, I think I was writing on the show Awkward at the time, which was uh, very a very funny seeing I write Wayne now. such a different thing. Um, <laughs> and I walked up to their office and they're like, what are you working on? Are you working on anything new? And I said, you know, I kind of got this idea about a 16-year-old Dirty Harry. And they kind of perked up. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I'm doing like sweating and doing karate kicks in their office and telling the story. And I think I... <laughs> I laid out this whole the whole dialogue scene in my head about the you got a boyfriend, you know that whole scene like you want me to be your boyfriend like the way the weird way they talk and the volley of their mm-hmm. language back and forth and yeah I think I had that all in my head and they said when you're done with that please bring it back you could see just the light in their eyes like oh man <laughs> please bring that to us when you're done and they were in a much better position than me at the time. Um, and I actually sat on it for a very long time because in 2015, he surprisingly only three years ago, TV, you know, was not as weird and dark and edgy as it is now. Yeah. And yeah. I just kept saying to myself, having worked in TV so long, no one's going to buy this. No one's going to buy this. And then I saw Search Party and I saw Atlanta. And a couple other things. And I went, oh, I can write Wayne now. TV's weird. TV's really weird and comedies can be dark and you don't have to have a joke every seven seconds. And it's really weird now. So I wrote it and Kirk cried on a plane reading it. And I said, okay, I must, you know, I must have did good by it. And they ended up sending it to several people. And two of those people were Paul and uh, Rhett from Deadpool. Oh, nice. Nice. Which I, which, you know, Kirk has known those guys for. Kirk was actually the lead in uh, the Zombieland pilot for Amazon. Okay. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. He played the Woody Harrelson part. Yeah. Um, Okay. So he, uh, yeah. And then, you know, I was in this position where I met. Rhett and Paul up in uh, this Soho club. It's like this fancy club you pay a membership to or something. And went up there and I thought I was pitching for these guys to be involved. And uh, next thing I know, I realized they're pitching to me. Oh, wow. Why they should be involved. Oh, that's, inc- and I that's went, incredible. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, no, no. I, you, 
You're in. No, no, you can be. You don't <laughs> right. have to me. Hold on, guys. What are you I, talking I, about? I think you can be a part of it. I think you guys got this the wrong way around. Like, this is like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm supposed to be here asking you right. to come on to the show, not you asking me if you could come on. Yeah, what that yeah. That must have just been an incredible moment for you, like, just to, to know how excited these guys were to be a part of of your baby. Like this, this was your baby from for years. Like that, that's just what, Rebecca, what an incredible the, moment. These guys walked away. It really, these, really these, guys, was. these guys walked away from the pirates of the Caribbean movie. So like, I know, I know, for, you know right? Like, for, for them to be so, involved in what you've got going on with Wayne, which I understand, like this is like right in their wheelhouse, but that's like a huge compliment. Cause like these guys like walked away from Disney money. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they are, they are, I'll just say this, they are busy. They are so insanely busy. I, I wasn't surprised when one of the things they're doing fell away, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's mm-hmm. just, I don't know what it was about, but sure. in those situations where every single thing in, within a certain tone is being pitched to them at a certain, you know, after having the number one and two and number two best selling you know, rated R movie ever made. Yeah. You know, um, you know, you're going to get an offer to do everything. And sometimes, you know, it just comes a point where you're like, Oh wait, we can't do 11 things. Yeah. But they did yours. And that's, that's, what's incredible about this. I mean, and like, and like these guys, like, and so cool that they're coming back and doing zombie land Two double tap. I cannot wait to see, they got the, all the original cast and they got Rhett Reese, Paul Wernick back on this thing. I cannot wait to see this thing. I've like, that's one of those movies that like came out of nowhere. And this was back before like the zombie thing was like in full, you know, like, you know, before the walking dead, like this is pre walking dead. I know. So yeah, it's, you know, they not, started that whole thing. I always think felt like they started. That was like a cult, you know, yeah. cult movie. I was a huge fan, and but it felt like they single handedly really felt they, like they started there at the beginning of it. They single handedly like uh, some of those memes. I felt like brought back uh, Hostess when Hostess went away. You know, like the Woody Harrelson. Oh memes. right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. One thing that yeah, you were mentioning. The they're the nicest guys. You were talking about. Yeah, they seem incredible. Um, you were talking about, you know, Wayne and the 16-year-old Dirty Harry, and you kind of did something, in my opinion, that not a lot of writers and creators can do and make a rebellious teenager, make a rebellious teenager endearing. Like, I don't see that a lot. Like, when I watched, um, you know, uh, the prequels, and I, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, but Anakin kind of got under my skin, you know? And, and uh, but what you've done with Wayne and, like, the kind of, like, the life that he's led and and you feel bad for this kid and he's rebellious but you find out like he's doing it for a reason he's trying to right the wrongs that other people right are and and i love that's what i love about the character you know he's kind of like he's kind of like if captain america didn't have a moral compass at times and um <laughs> right but he's doing everything he, for the, he's trying to stick up he's trying to st- he's not he's trying to stick up for the underdog and that's what i love about the character yeah, there's part of me that, you know, later in the game thought about how we're all, you know, you said rebellious teenager, and rebellion usually comes from some kind of hurt or come being broken or frustrated. You know, every kid's frustrated in a way. But, you know, in a way, he's he needs to find those wrongs and those injustices so we can let out the anger he has about the shit hand he's been dealt in life. Mm-hmm. Um, so... 
Yeah, I mean, he's he's not far off from a lot of those kind of 70s revenge thrillers or Derry Harry's or Western archetypes. You know, he's he's definitely every one thing I'm, you know, I try to do with every character and even the villains is they all come from some sort of human place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never, I try not to have those villains who you just like, even when we had the, in episode two, you had that, you know, kind of Kira and Lee Murray in the shed. Yeah. Yeah. Lee, you know, Lee, Lee, really Lee, Lee fucking Murray. I, I tried in a short amount of, what'd you say? I said Lee fucking Murray. <laughs> Lee fucking Murray. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I try to have like a little bit of, you know, a tie. I had room for a little bit of backstory and a little bit of, you know, building his character in a way that you understand that he's under the gun and he's screwed up and, mm. you know, he's made mistakes in the past and he has this girlfriend who's kind of pushing him to, for the thing, this life they want to get away from it all. And I try to do that with everybody. And the biggest version, the biggest example of that, I think, is a, a thing I'm really proud of. And I'm proud of my writers, too, for, you know, we all got there together at a certain point. But, um, you know, the Dell episode. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm so glad. Five. I'm so glad you're going to talk about this. I love that episode. That that was probably. Well, I, you. I, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, please. I, I was going to say, I, I know the show is called Wayne, but episode five entitled Dell is my favorite episode of the entire series. And that's not to say that, like, I think every other episode was terrible. Obviously, you know, I don't feel that way, but. Uh, that that episode, when you talk about uh, Kirk crying on the plane reading the, the script, that episode, I, I sobbed through most of it. Like, I felt her pain. Like, as a woman and being a teenage girl, obviously, at one point in my life and having a complicated relationship with my own mother, I, am, I felt her pain. Like at so many points, uh, but please, yeah, t- tell us more about that that episode because I'm dying to hear your hear more about it. Well, I I kind of conceived the Dell episode. We were shooting the pilot in Toronto, 2016. I think 2000. Yeah, 2000. Yeah, 2017. I'm not sure anymore. It seems like an epic journey. I don't remember when when everything happened, but. Um, it was when we were shooting the pilot, which was, you know, about five months before we got picked up to series. And I remember sitting in houses and there's a lot of downtime. And I decided at a certain point that I wanted to give Dell a pilot. So I always look at that as Dell's pilot. You know, okay. like if that were a show on its own. That would mm-hmm. be her origin story like we saw Wayne's origin story. Right, right. Um, so I just wanted at a, at the right point in the season where the show before it and the show after it kind of, it makes sense there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know enough about Dell and you have enough questions about Dell to kind of go, okay, time to give us some answers. And I don't, I didn't, you know, this was an opportunity to do it without having someone sit there and fucking talk about it at length forever. Can I swear on the show? Oh, can, right? I've, yeah, no. I've been cursing this whole time. 100%. <laughs> yeah. You can swear. 
as you can probably guess from the show, I swear a lot. Well, so um, yeah, that's the thing. Like, if anybody's like, okay, if we're gonna have somebody on the show that has a show that curses that much, if I try to stop, that's ridiculous for me to stop. And if people expect to listen to this episode without us cursing after they just watched Wayne, there's something fucking wrong with them. I'll just say that much. I love that. Exactly. Uh, I uh, yeah, I I'm basically I always say like Dell is a, you know, she's a 55 year old, you know, construction worker at a bar drinking at a pizza place. You know, she totally like, is. Oh my God, she yeah. totally is. <laughs> so I, cause I mean, there's, I mean, honestly, like that character is, there's a lot of me and Dell awesome. and there's, there's more of me and Dell than there is Wayne because, you know, we can't all be as cool as Wayne and, Mm-hmm. crazy as Wayne but you know he has he has parts of me as well and my dad whose name is Wayne um who had a really my dad had a really tough life uh that kind of inspired it yeah mm-hmm. um but Dell Dell yeah so I kind of can see the whole Dell pilot like before we were finished shooting the Wayne pilot for the series before we even knew we were making a whole series and I specifically remember at one point I knew that I wanted to open with that bloody scene where she comes out of the school, oh, um, God. some version of that. And, and then the, I heard the song that became kind of Dell's song that's in the opening and in the, when she jumps in the pool mm-hmm. on, a, on, on, you know, just happened to listen to it in a house uh, on my headset and kind of put the headset on Sierra Bravo's head while she was waiting to go on. And I and she was like, "Oh my god, fuck yeah! <laughs> this, is, this is your opening song for your pilot." And she was like, "So so excited!" Wow. And um, and then you know, I just wanted to a I want to do a story. I love. There's a lot of kids from my high school that we lost to oxycotton. Um, you know, a lot of kids in those towns with parents with substance abuse issues, especially, you know, oxycotton again. You know, now it's morphing into other those other crazy drugs but you know you kind of want to do a story about what made Dell Dell the mm-hmm. version of Dell we're seeing now and you know you see that happening to kids who just mm. have these lives where they're trying to get by and it changes everyone in the family for the worse mm-hmm. you know yeah um and so yeah the you know I I basically you know, put, sketched out the large pieces of that story before we even started a writer's room. And then we finished it up in the writer's room with, uh, I'm really proud of how we took daddy and made him almost, you know, sympathetic. Um, you know, you I don't think you see a lot of, yeah, you, you said something earlier that I, I, so I, I love what you said about making villains, um, more sympathetic or understanding, like basically understanding where a villain comes from. Like uh, Brian mentioned Star Wars before. I, I enjoy a good Darth Vader type villain uh, in in the in, in episodes four, five, and six, where he's just you know he's just kicking ass and like slicing people up and do choking people, whatever. But I also enjoy villains uh, like uh, in Black Panther where. Killmonger, you you sit back and you go, well, I know you're the bad guy, but damn, I fucking understand why you feel the way you do, man. Like I get it, and oh. and something about like the dad 
Because up until that point, I'm just like, oh, the, her dad's just a fucking asshole. Like he's, he drinks, smacks, smacks his, uh, his, his kids around, you know, who cares about this guy? And then we get episode five of Dell, which you said it was perfectly placed. I 100% co-sign that. That episode is in the sweet spot where now you're dying for more information about Dell, why she is the way she is. And you kind of like, oh, okay, I get it. I get why everybody is the way they are here. And I understood the dad's rage from a certain point of view. So the characters in this show are so complex and, and I love that it's not this two dimensional thing. And I just, uh, I, I applaud you and your writing. Thank staff. You. I mean, I can't sing the praises enough because it's so easy to write a two dimensional bad guy, right? He's bad. Cause he's bad. No, there's, there's reasons, and you showed us, and um, yeah. I think I think that's why I just I binge that show in in a weekend, like I couldn't stop watching it. Well, there's a there's also a you know, and I thank you. That means the world. It's uh, you know, I, I just have no interest. Like Killmonger is one of the all time. I mean, he's he's who's the best Marvel villain at this point? Him, right? Is he? Yeah, Thanos is close. We're going him. Yeah. We're going him, Thanos, and then Netflix. We're going with Kingpin. But yes, those those yeah. that's, that's the trifecta, Sean. Uh, well, let me just say that number. Um, Daredevil is all time best TV show as far as superhero TV shows go. It's so good. I'm so it's amazing. Mad that that I think was the most sketched out, the best you know, kind yeah. of arc emotionally for, and that damn, that dude who plays daredevil, Charlie is Cox, Charlie the most Cox, likable. Yeah. Which is that's great. Charlie Cox is the actor. He's awesome, man. He is the, the most likable guy. I, one of the most likable guys in TV in my book. Yeah. He really is. And the act, is there any better action on in a TV show than that show? No, you're not going to get better. Like as far as like uh, choreography and action, you're not going to get any better. Like no. Arrow tries, you know, and I know a lot of Arrow has its fans, and I'm not saying it's a bad show, but like I think that y- you were looking at that Netflix, the action that they do on that is just like next level. Like that first time you see that hallway scene in uh, season one, where he's just in that hallway. It's that one long cut. That was just that, like, we hadn't seen that on, done, done in television before. That was like taking that Birdman long cut. That was that dramatic long cut that they had. But they're like, oh, let's take that long cut from Birdman and let's just have Daredevil kicking a bunch of, uh, of these sex traffickers' asses. And it was yeah. just incredible. And then you have that one in season two, right, with the elevator and yes. punishers in the elevator. Yeah. And, and then the I mean, season three, they did it again. Crap. Season three, they did it yep. again. And that the, the season three almost rivaled season one is how good it was. I thought so. Yeah. I, I honestly think that's the best, all, you know, the best storytelling out of all Jessica Jones. Season one is still still good. Killer as hell. Yes. And I would put it, yeah, I would put it exactly on par that season, that first season with any of the daredevil stuff. But yeah. As far as like, if you put all the series, all the uh, you know, each season back to back, yeah, I think Daredevil might have one season that's not as good as the last, but it's right. still those three seasons are better than anything Marvel has done on TV. And for uh, say, the action is one hundred percent agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that third season of Daredevil, I was just like, you know, after they canceled Luke Cage and Iron Fist, I was like, okay. 
Yeah, they're not going to do that to Daredevil, though. I was like, I just saw season three. That was incredible. There's there's no way they're going to cancel Daredevil. And then we got the announcement. Oh, they've canceled Daredevil. And I'm like, OK, they're all going away. It's just going away. Everything. Yeah. Yeah, I just finished Punisher season two. And uh, I love season. I like season one a lot. I'm still I struggled a little bit to get through it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's because I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the pickup of my own show, and I'm a little distracted. <laughs> but it's, uh, I'm a tiny bit distracted and can't watch anything. But uh, you know, understandable, understandable. Well, Sean, I, Sean, I know that uh, you know. Like uh, we heard some announcements from YouTube that they were going to stop doing a lot of like the original kind of like programming that they're doing now and focus more on like creator content that they've already got with like youtube talent and that had me worried but then i saw like impulse is is, i think i've just recently read somewhere online that impulse was starting to film season two here shortly so i'm hoping i think they're i think they're halfway through it really okay i think i impulse is filming good i know that for sure good um and because i have friends there's a couple wayne people on that right now that's toronto okay um I know that, you know, we got Cobra Kai 2. Yes. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. I think in the, it's already in the bag. I think that's waiting to come out. Uh, there's, you know, they picked up some small show recently. I don't remember the name of it. I think that was a YouTube creator or something they made a whole show out of. But, was it, is it Champagne um, Ill? They Champagne Ill? That was last year. Champagne Champ- Ill? Yeah, Champagne Ill was Champagne- like- I think- I think that came out right after us, and then yeah, I think it was us, then Champagne Ill, then Weird City. Okay, I think that's how it went. Gotcha. They seem to put something out every month for this last kind of since December. Okay, um, since we came, when did we come out? We came in January, so they came out. Yeah, um, but you know, here's I I honestly do not have a lot to uh, a lot of info. Um, I'm kind of with you, like what they plan on doing, but you know, a lot of these companies, they have to figure out what's working, what's not. And they do this all the time when you hear these announcements yeah. and you get shaken up, but they're like, they're filming a Ben Stiller, you know, our drama that they just started filming that looks expensive as hell. And they have a Kirsten Dunn show, um, that is a big priority for them. I know that. And I don't think that's going to air until the end of the year. Oh, wow. Um, hmm. So okay. here's the thing. I don't, I don't know what to expect. All I can say, and I can't say much. I also couldn't because I don't have a lot of information. This isn't the type of thing they share with us. Yeah. Um, but you know, we got shit ton of views. Um, shows seems to be just based on detective work. You know, looking. You know, anybody can look. It's, you know, it's out there. If you look at the comments after episode ten, it's insane. Um, the reviews are off the hook um people still say that i'm you know i'm, I'm old i'm old now <laughs> still say off the hook. i'm gonna stop saying that now i'm gonna never repeat it again um no you should go with um, off the chain off the chain right or, yeah off the chain is that, is that more <laughs> i think that that's worse i think that's terrible actually i don't i i would go back to hook don't listen to me <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to figure out there was a certain point in which like I was around for when the people started saying dope. Yeah, yes. Oh, and I'm Yeah. I, me too. I'm incredibly <laughs> I'm shocked that it's still here. Yeah. It's, I keep saying like that's still a thing. And we, we also used to say that's death. 
Yeah, which yeah, that yep, was definitely not definitely not a thing anymore. No, um, <laughs> for sure. So I don't know what what it takes for for these these slangs to make it through time. Well, I mean, we all definitely remember make it. we all remember when Michael Jackson made Bad Good. Remember that? That's, you know? that's yeah. true. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So that's dope. That's um, there's a lot of that. But um, so yeah, I mean, you know, we have I think what. We have done exactly what any network asks you to do. Yeah. And what to, what to get. Um, I think all of those factors you're talking about, the what they are. Weird City's doing well, man. I saw the, those numbers. That's got to be a good sign. You well, know? You've, I mean, you've, um, you've got Jordan Peele involved in Weird City. I mean, his name carries a lot of weight right now. And, and uh, you know, after – I think it was – it was, you know, get out. And then all of a sudden, like now, now, he, now he's doing us and I can't wait to see us. And, and of course he's doing the, uh, the twilight zone. And then you put his name. Yep. I recently just watched the Lorena documentary, the Lorena Bobbitt documentary on Amazon prime, because he's an executive producer. I'm like, yep. He I, sure is. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. Like they could put I his, everything. they could put his name on uh, anything and I will watch it. So. Me too. I mean, that, that guy, I mean, it's, it's funny. And the reason I'll watch it is the same reason I think probably he's involved in the Lorena Bobbitt documentary is that I think there was a certain point in which Jordan Peele just said, I want to do a thing about the lady who cut off the guy's dick. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it sounds like such a comedic area where Jordan Peele's disturbing, yes. dark but mind I, was fascinated. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, like, but, I want to be a part of that thing that happened because of that weird, disturbing, almost comedic, crazy moment in history but it's it an, almost makes sense sean have you se- have you seen it sean no i haven't seen it yet. it's it's incredible it's a four um they cut it into four parts womp womp um but it's uh <laughs> it's it's kind of like it's kind of like what the oj simpson uh documentary on hulu did for marcia clark and it made her kind of like look good like because back in the, the media destroyed marcia clark and th- this makes lorena look like a hero i think it's fantastic you should watch it it, it kind of blew me away because i like, gotta watch that because I, I think like back in the day you had it was just a big joke and a big media frenzy and like we never really knew who lorena bobbitt was and like i think this kind of really exposes john wayne bobbitt and who he was i think the t- the tale over time of we've had 25 years with these people since this uh incident happened and i think that the like the tale of the tape now we can look over their lives of the past 25 years and you can see which person was a real shit bag and which one wasn't and i think lorena like comes out being the hero after you watch this documentary it's fantastic I got to watch that now. Yeah. Now I'm into it. Yeah. I, I would. It's so funny. Like, I feel like that could almost be you go one way or the other. And the other way is it ends up looking like the what, what was the show about the, the fake serial show about the kid who spray painted the dicks on everything? American Vandal. Oh, American Vandal. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like you can almost go that like they spend too much time talking about the dick cutting. Oh, or man. Something and can turn into that documentary. Let me just yeah. let me just throw this out there, Sean. They do not give you any warnings in this, but you will look at a sliced off penis. It like out of nowhere. There's literally oh. no warning. It's kind of like. You know, at least with Wayne, we get to see like him swinging a garden gnome around like a like a morning sun, and we know he's going to bash <laughs> yeah. somebody's face. And this, they literally are just like, here's a here's a hacked off penis. 
<laughs> my God. Yes. That, uh, I don't know how that would make, how would that make me look if I said I'm really excited to see that? So I'll just, we'll end it here. We'll, we'll end this part of the, we'll end part of this conversation here because if I yell out, man, I'm, I'm so excited to see that. It makes me sound like a psychotic person. I, I, we went from uh, talking about Wayne to Wang. So yeah. I know we did. Wayne to Wang. That's, uh, it's funny you brought up the gnome thing. That's another, I wrote, there was a much longer version of that gnomes opening of episode nine that that was another thing I wrote like way before we even wrote the we even shot the pilot yeah that was like a weird standalone scene where you know I just wanted to write a western John Wick moment at the top of the thing mm. it felt like a horror yeah um, up top but oh my god the, know, the, the, the burnt raviolis on the head <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Oh, man. <laughs> you should have seen how much time I spent trying to get the sound of the pan hitting the skull right. <laughs> it, was, it was an amazing amount of time talking about if there's if any of this led to, you know, the show actually being like decent and people like it, it's probably because I tried to approach mm. and Kirk Ward was there with me a lot too. Um approach every moment like that obsessively yeah you know i was laying in bed at three in the morning you know finding songs in my you know thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of songs on my you know phone or my record collection or my to score every moment of that series um you know, Sean, since, since you're talking about uh, about the music choices for for this series, um, that that was definitely one of the things I wanted to to ask you about because I thought all the song choices were so incredible for this for this show. And so, so did did you select every song yourself? Um, there, we had a Anne Klein as our music supervisor, and she. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bunch of stuff she found me in there that, um, you know, it was, I, I feel bad, you know, sometimes and she's great and we're good friends and, but I was not easy to try to get a song by because I'm, you know, I'm really obsessive about music. Number one, which is a bad sign going into a show like this and getting a music supervisor. Um, but I'm obsessive about, you know, I would, I would write. I would say the, the ending of episode one, that, mm-hmm. that metal song is that metal song where we're being introduced to the guy guys with the, who have the car and then out on the road. And I, that was like a year before, you know, when I wrote it, I wrote it to that song oh, and awesome. I would tear oh, up wow. in excitement. Like I would tear up in my eyes with excitement when I was blasting it in the car, picturing the scene in my head yeah. I knew every moment the guitar would change to this and then the guitar would change to this and we'd show this and you know the right down to I knew we were going to play that really sweet slow song in the car as Dell's giving her curse laden speech to Wayne before Wayne says I love you before she can right yeah. you know mm-hmm. I knew that was the song that I was going to put there and you know I emo- you know I, I get really emotional through music um, both you know, growing up as a angry punk rock kid and listening to hard, growing up in the straight edge hardcore scene and then graduating onto metal and loving hip hop and, you know, now loving folk and, you know, still metal and still hardcore and still all this stuff. I mean, I 
definitely am hypersensitive to music yeah. kind of being able to move me. Music is, um, music so, is powerful. I mean, and I use that as a device in everything. Yeah. Music is powerful. It? It's because I, I hear there's certain songs that I can hear. It'll it'll take me back to a memory from either my childhood or or uh, you know a moment that happened in my life. Music is very powerful that way. So it sounds like you kind of had a you know you knew what you wanted. You have a vision, and you kind of wanted to have these songs be a part of that vision. You knew like these were the songs that that hit you and it's working with everybody. Everybody's talking about the music from Wayne. And I, I saw that it's got its own Spotify uh, channel and everything. So, yeah, there's one that I, I put out there that is it's close to a hundred songs or something that is all the songs that some are in it. Mm. Some didn't make it, but I wrote to it or I intended on using or songs that inspired a scene so mm-hmm. there's, and I have one for season two that is not posted publicly yet because I wouldn't want to give away. Right. Sure. Um, you know, um, but, and that song is already up to 111 songs. So, wow. um, I just put one in, I mean, I'll say this to you guys. I'm without anybody really asking me to, I'm about two days away from finishing episode one of season two. Oh, script. Okay. That makes me uh, so happy. You got, Sean, Sean, you gotta, you gotta tell it. You gotta give us one thing. You gotta give us one thing, man. Because like, this is the thing. Like, uh, we're we're all waiting for it to get like green. We're all waiting for the show to get greenlit. We're all waiting for them to say yes. We've ordered season two. We've ordered YouTube Premium has ordered season two, and then we, we all we will too. all we will all raise our glasses and rejoice. Exactly. And um, but oh, you got you're getting me too excited. And I'm, you're like pumping me up like Flavor Flav. <laughs> yeah, boy. Yeah, tell him, man. Yeah, tell boy. <laughs> Flavor Flav. Sean, you have no idea what you've just done to Brian by bringing up Flavor Flav. I was literally just watching oh. Strange Love two nights ago on Pluto TV. I am not even kidding. <laughs> That is not what even is a joke. What did you watch? Strange Love. It was the dating show with him and Bridget Nielsen, who played Red yeah. Sonia. Oh my god, I forgot that existed. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can go. I, I yeah, I've watched all like three seasons of Flavor of Love, like that, no problem. And I used to listen to Public Enemy back in the day. Okay. So like when he did his, he it started off Me with too. Strange Love, and it was him and Bridget Nielsen, and they were dating on this show. And then, like, he went off, and after she broke his heart and left him, like, he was like, okay, I got to find I gotta find the right woman for me. And so, like, he did the whole Flav of Love show. And so that was, yeah, I was obsessed uh, with that for, like, gotta, the longest now time. Now I got to revisit, man. That, I mean, the madness, like, yeah. you, just pin, you just pinpointed, I think, a moment, that along with the guy from Poisons, that Rock of Love or whatever that was. Oh, that, but, was, uh, that was Brett I'll Michaels. Admit, I'll admit, I saw everyone. I saw every one of those Rock of Love shows, and I think that was a big moment so in I. history with, you know, where TV just got fucking crazy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, it, just, it, was, it was the beginning of the end. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah, they, they were just putting anybody on a show and like, hey, you want to find a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Let's just grab this person oh, oh, God. Oh, gosh. who was famous and let's put him in there. Rebecca, a, listen, yeah. to, listen to this. Listen to this. Okay, Pluto TV shows, like, they got a channel called What? And they show, like, all the flavor of love, and they show all, like, the Brett Michaels rock of love. They have a show on there called Paris Hilton's BFF, and it's all about Paris Hilton trying to find her best friend. I remembered when that show oh. had come out. So check out. this out. I check do. out check out how evil this is. She'll pick three girls and like 
two of them are going to go on and one of them, like one of them will go on and two of them will get eliminated. And she has them pack for a trip and they all fly to different places. And then they are met at this place and they're going to be told if they go on or not. Well, this girl flies all the way out to like this carnival in some other country. And this dude stands up in front of her and he's like, uh, Paris just wants you to know, like your journey ends here. And she's like, TTFN talk to you like Tata for never. And I was just like, <laughs> Oh my God, this show is brutal. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually remember, I, I remember when that show had come out, it was, I don't know if that was the show or there was another one where like, this is before Kim Kardashian became like Kim Kardashian, like what she is now. But like, she used to be Paris Hilton's like assistant or something. Like I don't know if it was on this show that you saw her, but mm. you saw her on some reality TV show where she like worked for Paris Hilton for like a hot minute and Paris used to just verbally abuse her on air like all the time. It was it's just wild. <laughs> That wasn't the Nicole Richie one. That was uh, that. Were, oh my gosh! I actually have the DVD of that, Sean. Oh, why? Was, oh, that was, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> I absolutely loved it. Was what was it called? The the straight oh. the strange life or something? I, I don't remember. I just remember. Or, no, what wasn't it? Those two life? running around as friends. Yes, it, it was. No, there's no way a show about Paris Hilton was called Simple Life. The Simple Life, it totally Maybe, was. But, yes, oh, because they took her out. Like they, she was like her and like Nicole Richie, the yep, daughter of Lionel Richie, would work on a farm or something. Yeah, that that was it. The Simple Life from 2003. Yeah. It ran for four years. Why? Because it was amazing. <laughs> that, oh God. Oh, now, now I get why it was called The Simple Life. Now I get why. It was <laughs> yeah. I, Are you calling me a simpleton? Are you calling me a simpleton because I love the show? <laughs> <laughs> it's God, that's all. I have DVD of that. <laughs> Sean, I am not kidding you. I will tweet you a picture of my Simple Life DVD later tonight. I promise you that is no joke. Dude, I believe you. Are you serious? Are you seriously going after Ryan Gosling for season two? Because I would love it. Oh, I. You know, is it a joke? Listen, I'm. I love Drive. We tried to get John Wick at one point. To, I mean, sorry, uh, Keanu. Keanu Reeves to play the dad in the pilot at one point. Yeah. This is kind of a handoff. Yeah. It's kind of handing off the, you know. Yeah. Um, we, we ended up, I love Ray McKinnon, and I love, I'm a huge Rectify fan. Yeah. Um, obviously, I got Ray McKinnon, and I got Abigail Spencer from Rectify because I'm such a huge fan. Um, but, yeah, I mean, listen, if, you know, who, is there anyone who would say, I'm not a Ryan Gosling fan? Oh, my god. Anyone? Gosh. Oh, I can't imagine. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Even ex girlfriends are probably like, yeah, they're raising their hands. I, we're still fans. I mean, he's just he's awesome. I love I love that yeah. guy. Drive is such an incredible performance too. I love that movie. And that's yeah. what is that is that part of the reason why you have like okay is that kind of the reason that Wayne has a badass jacket with a shark on the back because he's got like his scorpion jacket. In drive. I mean, it's funny that that kind of was a thought after we were conceiving it. It was kind of like, you know, we wanted him to have something that was, his, you know, dad's as he went along. And it was weird. I think I think it was thought like we were doing it when like, oh, this is kind of like the scorpion in the jacket. But yeah. We were already on our road. We were already on the road to him having like a weird, cool jacket, weird, not cool jacket that Dell would make fun of in episode two. Right. You know, but I, I can't remember. It feels like we were 
it was making it, it like going through all of these versions of this jacket and then it ended up being something like that and we knew once we did it it was like oh this is kind of like a shout out to drive right but yeah it was kind of like we were trying to figure out what the jacket was all along it was never it really wasn't in the script you know, okay. everything else like that was not in the scripts, the the description of the jacket. OK, so that's just one of those <laughs> things that just kind of happened. And I'm not letting you off the hook. You got to tell us something. We're not going to talk about Flavor Flav and Brett Michaels for another 30 minutes. I'm not letting you. <laughs> off. I got to learn. I got to learn something about season two here, Sean. Uh, this is hard. Um, <laughs> how do I do this? OK, uh, be ta- yeah, be tactful. Well, I don't want to get in trouble. Movie. You know, Wayne's in juvie. Yes. Right. You know, Juvenile Hall, and I don't know, have you ever seen the movie Bad Boys? Yes. Yeah. Sean Penn? No, no, sorry, not the Will Smith one. The Sean Penn Juvie movie. Oh, no, I've never. Oh. No. <laughs> no. That's, old, that's 70s old school, and it's pretty pretty awesome. Um, you know, I'm currently reading up and watching all sorts of Juvie movies. Um, and reading books and, you know, real accounts of kids in juvie, because, mm. you know, obviously there's something really interesting about a kid who's con- you know, considered the baddest motherfucker in his school, in his town. And when you go to those places, you're no, everybody is yeah everybody. So Wayne in that environment is really interesting and everything is catching up to him. Um, so obviously we're there. Um, and you know, there might be a world in which we are there and it's been a little bit of time, um, oh, okay. jumping, jumping forward a little bit in time. Um, so we're gonna, you know, we're obviously going to catch up with where Dell is at that point. She's, you know, I think you're going to find that Dell, daddy, the boys, the champagne brothers, which mm. their real name is the champagne brothers, which is too hysterical. <laughs> They're great. Um, the, those guys are great. They they were just found in Toronto. Um, I couldn't believe I got real twins. Wow! Um, after after writing that into a scripting, going, there's no way we're getting real twins who can act. And and they, I'll tell you a story about them, which I think is the it still to this day makes me laugh so hard. Um, they're you know they're they're uh, they got a lot of energy. Those guys. Um, they are very close um, as twins can be. Yeah, and they love things like wrestling, and they come from improv, and really funny guys. Mm-hmm. And I would once in a while, when you're you're moving around Toronto a lot to different locations, um, the trailer sometimes, if it was next to yours, one day I'm in there and I'm like, you know, I've been working weeks and weeks of fifteen hour days, sixteen hour days, and sometimes you just got to go to your trailer, get out of the humidity, and like close your eyes for twelve minutes, you know. And all of a sudden, my trailer is, like, really fucking moving. It was, like, bumping and jerking and smack. Like, it was, you know, this. if this band's a knocking, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> <really> <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what? Is someone having sex next to What the hell is going on? Because, you know, several trailers are connected. And I slowly realized that the brothers were wrestling and <laughs> wrestling really really fucking aggressive wrestling <laughs> mashing off the walls oh my God. and 
and doing voices as they were doing it, like wrestling guy voices, like Hulk Hogan. Oh and yeah, doing the announcer voice. Yeah, and I'm I'm not kidding. I am not kidding when I say this. It's going to sound like an exaggeration, but it went on for a straight thirty four minutes. <laughs> Like 34 fucking minutes of me going, I can't believe that. It felt like a little joke, like we're going to have some fun. They're beating the shit out of each other for 34 minutes. And I, like, number one, knew this story would be had. And, like, I'm not stopping it. Right. Even though I want to get some sleep, I'm not stopping this. It's amazing. This is insane. They're, like, 20-something years old. They're, like, 26 years old. Oh, my God. And they're beating the crap out of each other. And then we show, we show up to set. We, we show up to set, and they're, like, soaked with sweat. They're soaked with sweat. And you could tell they're a little tired. And it was like they might as well have been having sex with somebody because they look like they... You know, and girls in there, but they were beating the crap out of each other. And I told the story in front of everybody, in uh, front of them, to Sierra and Mark and everybody. And everybody's dying, and they just didn't care. They were just, like, kind of giggling. And yeah, we wrestle all the time. I'm, I'm still Let's stuck go. on the – I'm still stuck on the, on them doing the voices. Oh, uh, yeah. Hulk oh, my God. Like, I'm stuck on that. <laughs> Snap yeah. into this Slim Jim. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was they they're improv guys who uh, love great. wrestling. I think it's a majorly crazy oh, combo. That's great. I, I oh, they're like puppies, man. Like <laughs> they, they kind of were. You know, there, there was the episode where um, when it was their birthday and uh, uh, they want to get their fucking hotcakes like that. That they yeah. had hotcakes hot like eight hundred times in that episode. They, I was the only one who could do the voice because I come from Brockton and right. When we were we were in that writer's room, there were times where I would go into, you know, Teddy and Carl mode, and I would do the voice, and it wouldn't stop for hours. Like, I'd just get too locked into it, and I'd be like, motherfucking hot cake, like, <laughs> all day. <laughs> Everything I was talking about, I would talk uh, to the assistants, you can't even get a fucking lunch? You got to what the fuck is that? What the fuck is this? You know, like, I would just go into that Boston accent thing with those guys for way too long. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> No, that because we'd, be we'd be writing on the screen in the room, and I'd be adding jokes into the script with the writer's assistant, and I would just stay in that voice going, "Okay." And then Carl says, "What the fuck are you doing, man? Get over here!" You know, <laughs> Dude, wait till I mean, wait till you. Uh, hopefully, we get to make season two because I have a lot of wonderful plans for both. Well, that's you know, the thing. Oh, I'm, Daddy I'm, and the that's boys a, and that, that's the thing. We got to keep we got to keep uh people talking about season 1. We got to keep people excited about season 1. I myself, Sean, I've gotten on IMDb. I've given the show a 10 on IMDb. I've given each episode a 10 on IMDb. Um, you know, those are those are little things that add up to be, you know, something hopefully noticeable that uh, you know, it'll catch fire and people will see like the score. Oh my gosh, look at this. Look at this crazy like Rotten Tomato score, isn't it like 100%. Yeah, right now. Here's, I mean, listen, if there's anything that I, I just, number one, enjoyed your show, not to be kiss assy, but 
I enjoyed the energy between all you guys. Mm-hmm. Who's the other guy you were on with on my uh, show? That, that was just a guest that week. That was Michael Winkler. That was uh, just he's like I, I. It's uh, typically it's me and a guy named Jake and Rebecca. She'll jump on from time to time, and um, you know it's it's usually me and Jake and and some guests. But uh, that was just the guest that week, and I mean he's that was like it one was, of his. It was fir- a really great combination of voices and attitudes because like. You know, you guys have your thing, and you're you're you have a slight bit more kind of like I wouldn't say pissed off, but there's a little bit of fun snark in it. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> you know, oh, she has she has so much energy. <laughs> she has so much like bright energy, and is just like enthusiastic and fun. And and then you had this other guy who was kind of like sleepy. <laughs> He kind of had like this. He kind of had this awesome sleepiness to him, and he was like, "Yeah, man." And then he goes in, and he was like, "It was like he was a little high." And it was like a weird. It was like a great trinity. It was, it was of, like it was like it was like Beavis and Butthead rolled into one person. <laughs> I loved it, man. I, I think it's a great uh, mix of personalities. Uh, so it made it was super fun to listen to. Some of these things, as much as I'm grateful every time to. Yeah be on and people liking it and talking about it sometimes you're just like oh man it's it's even hard hearing compliments it's so slow in the show oh you know? man yeah it's, a th- it's like wow well, it, it's it's not for us it's like it's it's easy to talk about it because it's it's something that we're excited about you know it's not like pulling teeth or anything trying to get us excited about it because um, we genuinely love the show i killed it in two days sean i killed the show in two days oh wow and then this week it was like um, I had a chance to rewatch the first season, and I, I I was able to just watch like two episodes here, two episodes there, and I spread it out over a few days. And um, you know, before when I was watching, it was like I got to get this in before we record the episode, you know. But here I'm here I'm just like slowly digesting each episode, and I'm noticing other small details that I didn't notice before. Just like there's some brilliant, there's just some brilliant like one-liners in this that just happen really quick that are just so comedically funny that I just like little quirks and things about these characters that they'll say that I just they just crack me up but there was one thing I wanted to talk about like I appreciate the little things in this show there was the uh, Principal Cole got permission from Orlando's grandmother to go join him on this oh, yeah. adventure and like that's a thing like some other shows would just completely ignore they just like let this like you know 15 16 year old boy go with the principal on an adventure and no repercussions like this you actually address the fact that you've got a, t- a teenage boy going out with his principal uh, out of state so I was just like you know I appreciate that and then I the character of Orlando like we start learning stuff about this guy I'm just like okay his grandmother has like dementia and she thinks he's like a 47 year old man and he's like the one that's in control of all the bills in the house i'm like this kid's got responsibilities like i didn't know like this is what's going on at home with this kid so there's it's not like these characters are just one dimensional like these are layered characters and we learn more and more about them in each episode and i Mm -hmm. I, and especially with sergeant geller sergeant carol like the sergeant geller reveal It, it, blew, yeah. it blew my fucking dick off. I was like, where the hell is this coming from? This is wait, a- wait, hold, hold on. I, Brian, I'm so glad you brought it up because I told you I wanted to talk about it too. Sean, I have to know, like, what the actual fuck with this guy, that reveal? I, I mean, please tell me where this came from. Like, was this just like, right. um, yeah, t- tell me more about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, Steve, number one, like, Stephen Kieran is like a. 30-year master improv guy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And when I, you know, I wanted to, we already had this world filled with really masculine men. Mm. And, you know, even Dell, there's a masculinity to Dell that we didn't need another tough guy. You know, we didn't need another, that world, my hometown is filled with enough of them. So when I wrote, I started writing the character of Geller, which is kind of like it weirdly started with my wife is like kind of one of those people like feel something like she gets a tickle in her throat. And like five minutes later, she's looking up, you know, gravestones. Like like she's just one of those people who are like, I'm dying. That's it. This, I, I'm dying. I have a sore throat. Um, so. I wanted, you know, in a story about second chances and a story about, you know, people maybe maybe not really under, kind of second guessing the choices they made in life. Um, and I think Geller does that. We'll continue to do that if we're lucky enough to go on. Mm. Um, you know, here's this guy who's kind of gone through. It isn't a real like you could start a show with a guy who just beat cancer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or you can start a show with a guy <laughs> who. <laughs> Feels, thinks he feels something and in the same day figures out it's not that but feels like he went through having beating cancer. A, a, a cancer scare. Which, I just I just survived a cancer scare. <laughs> I've been given a second chance at life. And yeah. I'm just like, dude, that is not what happened, but I yeah. love your motivation. <laughs> that boy whose father had cancer. Yeah. You know, like that oh that that he's just completely obsessed with that aspect now and i want this actor save this boy i want this actor to read my eulogy at my funeral like the way he the, the way he tells the story about his father at the skating rink i was just like oh my god mm-hmm. like first off whoever wrote that sean if that was you take credit for it now because it was amazing but two the way he delivered that and just like his uh, his facial expressions and just the way uh, just his delivery on that whole speech was just absolutely incredible. I was like, I want this guy playing this character at my funeral, delivering my eulogy and pretending that he knew me and that I was somebody worthy of his eulogy. <laughs> he was so good. Well, he's such a good he's actor. So good, and he he plays such a weirdo. I wrote him in the way he was described in episode two in the script was this is Sergeant Geller. He's like sergeant with the heart of a poet. Mm. And that, you know, we wanted a weird bird. Like I yeah. just wanted, a, I didn't want another tough guy or a tough sergeant. We've seen it. I wanted to put in this world, if we're going to have a guy who cares about this kid for some weird reason, he's attached mm. some sort of emotion into this kid. I want him to be just a weird, like Harvard professor who un- somehow ended up being a cop. That's good. Yeah, that's exactly. Awesome. That, that's exactly what he is. And heart. The heart and soul of a poet is absolutely who this guy yeah. is. And uh, I, you know what? You, you bring up such a great point, and, and I didn't really think about it until just now, about how he's like a counterpoint to all of these like overly masculine men in this show. And he's like – he's obviously a man, but he's not like – he's not your typical, you know, cigar-chomping, rough sergeant like yeah. – Get in here, yeah. you know. Right. Well, Rebecca, guy, turn Re- in your gun and badge. Like he's he's not that guy. Rebecca, we don't need another like uh, you know um, uh, sheriff Hopper from Stranger Things. Like David Harbor. Exactly. David Harbor does that character. Right. Does that character well. Like this is just like this guy just has like 
He's mysterious. He has secrets. And you look at him and you don't think of him as like uh, this guy who's going to rip off his shirt and just be tatted up and be able to like <laughs> ground and like ground and pound with you. You know what I mean? <laughs> he had a yeah. long he had a long period where he completely lost his mind. Yeah. What did in, he say? In like prison, he lost nine, his mind. He was like in in the in a Thai jail for nine years, and he fell in love with the wrong man. And I mean, he's just, yeah. the more he's talking, I'm just like, who is this guy? What is happening? Well, it, one of the things one of the things I love about that speech, and you won't, you will never, you will rarely see someone unpack so many secrets and surprises. As we did with that character in that moment, because you yes. find out he's gay. Yeah. You find out he's gay. You, you found out he's possibly killed people, and in a, you found out he was in prison. You, I mean, it's all of this in one speech. You're like, oh, 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 you know, <laughs> it's insane. I don't even know if it's good writing when you have that many reveals. No, I see. What I what I great writing actually. What I love about that whole that whole setup too is like he's gonna be go- he's going up against this guy who's like a gigantic mountain of a man, and you know things are about to go down here, and you're thinking like this is totally unmatched, and then all of a sudden like that yeah. shirt pops off, you see those tats, and you're like okay, all right, okay, the odds are more even now. Like this is gonna be yeah, yeah like that, that <laughs> things are interesting now, you know, and so like. I, I I could not believe what we uh, what I was witnessing. Like I was that was one of those scenes where like I'm in my here. Okay, yeah. You what? Hey, what are people doing when they're watching my show? I'm telling you, I'm at the edge of my seat and I'm pumping my fist in the air because I was just like, yes, oh, man. yes, because that's <laughs> that's how jacked up you got me in that moment watching that scene. It was incredible, Sean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks, yeah. man. I mean, same. I I, I I'm watching that episode. And I, I have, like, my, my hand over my mouth in shock, and I'm just like, he's going to kill this guy. Oh, my God. This, this string bean of a man is going to fuck this guy up. And he's like, and like you said, they've just revealed, like, five things about him that you had no clue. And I'm just like, no, I, I need more of this guy now. Like I, and, and even, like, going back through the series, the scenes that he had – with James Earl, who played Officer J, who, um, who wants to Instagram everything. And he bring, he brings cilantro leaves and whatever <laughs> along on the trip so he can Instagram yeah. it off of his blog. I was just like, their, their dynamic was so I natural hope- and great. Yeah, it's funny because they're two very different people who, through their job, have become kind of like brothers in a way that, it's just natural camaraderie that works. It's even though you're like these guys would never go out. I kind of in the end buy that they would be sitting at an Applebee's mm. together, yeah. kind of like on the weekend, you know. Oh, absolutely. Uh, James Earl. <laughs> James Earl was the his audition. I mean, we we had a thing where in Toronto, where you know you're supposed to hire a certain amount of actors from Toronto in order to make this whole tax credit thing work where gotcha. you, you know, they oh, okay. give you all this tax break. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. I had to fight. Once Once I saw James Earl's audition, I was like, that is the most lovable, bright force. I have to have that. So I fought, fought my head off to get that guy, you know, in the show. And he's awesome. so good. Very good. Very um, good. You got you got the, uh, the mayhem from the... 
Yeah, who yeah. plays the dad? Yeah, the guy who's, who who does all those uh, mayhem commercials for Geico. He was not great Geico. Is it Geico? Not Geico. What some, he, some insurance it's, company? Uh, Allstate. Nope. <laughs> uh, mayhem is. Uh, oh my God! We have to do it now. We can't. We got to look it we up. Have to, we it's have not, to. It's not. It's not far. Yeah. It's uh, not farmers. Farmers is J.K. Simmons. Nope. Nope. It's oh. not farmers. It's not Allstate. And we oh, got shit. mayhem. <laughs> Rebecca, you got to. I'm googling it. Is it? Like, oh, gotta, somebody's got to look it up. We're looking it up right here. Mayhem. I, I will talk while you keep look va- it up. You are doing um, a fantastic job vamping here, Sean. <laughs> you are. You are. He's the, uh, yeah, boy. I'm sorry. That was my hype. <laughs> did you flavor. find it? No, I did not. <laughs> keep going. Oh, it's uh, it's it is all safe. Is it? Yeah, it's it's yeah, it, it's all. I mean, that's what that's what Google says. So if if it's wrong, then Google's wrong. Okay, not, not Rebecca. Rebecca, but, uh, Rebecca, you were wrong because you said Geico. I was the I one that know said all I state. I said Geico before, but I clearly that was a mistake. But yes, this is for all state. So there you go. <laughs> so I was right like five fucking minutes ago. All right, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you think the most. The biggest, one of the biggest insurance commercial campaigns of all time. Yeah, it's pretty. It, it's upsetting that we weren't able to three. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, we something do, that's on the on TV for ten years. Well, but I, we yeah. knew his character name from the commercial, though, which is I guess that I know. I can tell. Flow is from Progressive. I know this. These are things that I know. It's like it's sad that we know that that little lizard is from Geico, and we can't tell you that Mayhem, who like I think arguably probably does the better commercials out of all three of them, in my opinion. And yep. we, did, we didn't know. It. I knew it was all state, but you guys said you shot me down. <laughs> That's a good idea. You should have a you should have a commercials podcast judging commercials. There oh, you yeah. go. That's a great just, idea. Just that. Sean, I, I don't think uh, that that podcast is going to blow up anytime soon, man. <laughs> God, I want that. I want that Dean Winters uh, mayhem money. Oh, gosh. Can you imagine? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, to be the spokesperson. He doesn't have to do anything else. No, he doesn't. And that, you know, what was it? Uh, one, of the, one of the guys from SNL was doing the – he was the AT&T guy for a long time. It's uh, – yeah, man, you get on one of those campaigns, you're, yeah. like, you're set. You're I, set. Rem- I mean, flow – Flow. They have you sign those things where you can't yeah. do anything else. Like right. I think Flow is on those where she can't really do anything else. But what's it matter? She's been doing that for what? She's been doing. Years. She's made so, enough money to possibly yeah. sustain her whole life till she's you know. What's his name? Joey from Friends. What was his name? What's that? Joe? What's Joey? His first commercial, I think, was like a Coca Cola commercial, and he made tons of money and bought a Ferrari. <laughs> So, I mean, they really, yeah, yeah. His first, I think it was, yeah, I think it was a Coca-Cola commercial. And after that, he bought a Ferrari and he was like, why did I do this? I mean, I might not get another job after this <laughs> and um, end up getting the friends. Gig, oh, my so. God. That's so stupid. I didn't realize that he didn't have other things. Well, he did you, bought, oh, it, my God. That's nuts. And it reminds me of the Porsche Porsche episode of uh, was it was it the Ferrari episode or a Porsche episode of Friends? The one where the, they had a car parked out in front of their apartment. That, I think it was a Ferrari, and he would wear a Ferrari jacket, a Ferrari hat, and he would act like it was his Ferrari. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, right, right, right. That's really funny. Yeah. I, uh, I just remember them buying Will and Grace, all the actors, Porsches, when they got picked up for, like, the second season. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, 
I, I, I do remember reading about that too. Wow, that's I can't crazy! Even get my co- coffee receipts paid for. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's streaming streaming service money, y'all. Oh man. <laughs> That's a, we're in. Uh, that's a th- I think you were talking about 2015 and how TV's evolving, and I think that streaming services have a lot to do with that. I think like now the networks are trying to even keep up with the streaming services, so they're getting a little bit more racy than they were before. You know, so yeah. I mean, when you when you don't have to, you know, like I would write for TV shows and be driven crazy by the fact that like you can't say that about Doritos. You know, uh-huh. in your show, you couldn't you, you couldn't make a joke that like disparaged anything because you're dealing with advertising, right? Yeah. So you know now now and you can't have your characters do crazy shit that's you know dark because you're representing whatever fucking you know Allstate or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, you know, in the commercial. So that's cool that they let know. him do that. That's cool that they let him do the show. I mean, he literally gets his nose bit off and he punches a teenager in the face. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's true. <laughs> he's so committed. He's Did, so committed. I mean, he pitched. He came up with the idea to cut Wayne's nose at the end with the knife. Uh, and he wanted to do. He a, wanted to do. Uh, he did a really, really cool thing. He can go dark, five, man. I didn't know he oh, could yeah. go that dark. That like, he goes really dark. Like, I guess I can see it from the commercials, but he's intimidating in this show. I didn't know he is he is he a big guy in person because like he looked like when when he was next to the Champagne Brothers, like he looked like he kind of towered over those guys. He's definitely like I think he's got to be six one, six two, or okay. something. He's okay. definitely. Oh, wow. You know, he's taller than me. I'm like five ten and a half, five eleven. Yeah. And he he's definitely tall. I'm looking up at him when I'm you know giving him notes or whatever. It's yeah. It's Mike's Mike O'Malley's tall too though. So okay. I'm I'm not necessarily a tall tall dude, but he's you know he just has a presence. He was on Oz for a reason. Yeah. You know he was he's always in that stuff. And but the funny thing is like one of my favorite my favorite stuff is when he's just like whacking the kids and he's in the hospital with Sergeant Geller and calling him British and like <laughs> really hilarious yeah. in that hospital yeah. stuff. Like yeah. in seven, like that's some of my favorite stuff. When you have someone that, you know, he, he's, he's a person who has a button too, like Wayne, where you're always nervous yeah. around that character. Cause you don't mm-hmm. know, he will just pop off. There's part of me that and I love so the, I love the feuding between him and Wayne, but there's always kind of like a part of me that kind of wants to see him team up, but I don't want to see him team up too soon. Like, cause I love them kind of like <laughs> against each other, you know? Yeah. I mean, that it's interesting. I think, you know, in thinking about who the major players are in the show, you know, we're obviously, you know, it's, it's hard when you're kind of finished with characters because if you bring them back, you'd kind of, it'd kind of be corny. Yeah, um, because they were on the road. You know, they were on the road, so it's really like when you said Peyton Meyer. Believe yeah. me, I'd love to, and maybe there's some organic way you could do it when they're because season. I will say this, like, you know, right now the plan for me is that season two's in Brooklyn. Yeah, you know, we're back yeah. home. Yeah, um, but you know, the Wayne would obviously go to Juvie, where he's from, um, and you know, Mike's there. Obviously, he has to get back to his life. Orlando's there. He has to get back to his life. Um, you know, whatever happens with Dell, which, you know, I hope to put her in a surprising place. And, you know, we, we have to see how she can kind of, um, re, you know, rebuild her life, um, from whatever happened that day that she got taken. Yeah. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's kind of about, are these two kids going to find each other again? Right. Yeah. Um, because we're in these positions like Wayne, we have to remember like Wayne is a fucking rap sheet. You know, mm-hmm. like this yeah. is not, this is not the first day they go, Oh, we just did this thing. Not only did you on this journey, create more of a rap sheet. He had a long one coming in. Like yeah. in episode two, it's obvious his file is a, is a mile long. So, you know, they're not going to be easy on him. And how do you think they're going to, you know, the question is, how does he survive? How does he, how does he, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. what's his life like when he's inside? Right. Yeah. Something that I think um, is really, uh, or will be really interesting for season two is, you know, season one was all about Wayne going to get the car and then bringing Dell with him. So the car was like, that was obviously the 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 clear mission of 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 the first episode um, first episode first season and of course we find out Wayne is trying to reconnect with his mother on some level as well now that the car is no longer in the picture now that the mom is no longer in the picture how does this affect Wayne and Dell's relationship because the car was the thing that brought them together now the car is gone and so is it going to be one of those things of like like in the movie Speed, right? When it ends and they have this joke about how like, oh, we shouldn't have a relationship because we fell in love in like a tense situation. And then right. like like going forward, how will Wayne and Dell build a relationship if they still want to without this car that was like the thing about season one? Are you saying Jason well, Patrick is going to be in season two of Wayne? Yeah. Oh, my God. And it, hey, you know what? To tell you the truth, you say that as a joke. But, like, I think a lot about how the show, it's really hard to make a show like this that I think people think is truly unique and lives in its own world. And yet, like, a lot of what I get, which I'm happy about, is I've never seen anything like it before. Like, Mm. you don't know what you're watching. Yeah. Because it looks a certain way. The humor, like, it's not necessarily, it's a it's billed as a calm action comedy, but I honestly think it's, like, as much action as there is comedy as there is drama. Oh. If you want to add a fourth and separate drama and romance, same thing. Sure. I always say this is Richard Linklater does John Wick, which is a really weird, <laughs> you know, a really weird filter. But yeah. one of my favorite movies is Before Sunset, you know, and I think you can see Before Sunset, if you've ever seen Before Sunset, in in the sh- in the show a lot. Like the romance level on that show is definitely inspired by that. As much as John Wick inspires this part, as much as the 90s indie cinema that I graduated to after the revenge thrillers, my dad raised me on like, you know, Napoleon dynamite or any mm. of those nineties indies movies like that. All those are mixed into one show. Mm-hmm. And that was the balancing act of the show, which is how do I get all these things that aren't natural brothers and sisters and to play nice? Room yeah. To play? yeah, absolutely. And I and, mean, I, I, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, please. Well, I was just going to say that uh, you you listened to our review, and and one of the first things I said was that this is like Napoleon Dynamite. This is John Hughes. This is this is. Uh, right. I think I, I I know you you mentioned John Wick. I've heard that from a lot of people. Charles Bronson, absolutely. I mean, I got the Napoleon Dynamite vibe very quickly just from how awkward Wayne is, and it reminded me a lot of John Heater's Napoleon Dynamite, which. It's a movie that I absolutely adore, and I could watch on any day of the week. Um, and yeah. e- even Dell and him having their interactions when she when she, when we meet her and she's selling Girl Scout cookies. The first thing I well, said, I, 
Go, go ahead. Go ahead, please. You rem- Yeah, you. I'm going to bring that up because you reminded me of that. Like, I didn't even remember the door, the cookie door scene of Napoleon Dynamite until you brought it up. Yeah, like we we see. Um, oh, of course, now I'm blanking on her character's name, but the the the, the girl that's in, in Napoleon Dynamite when she's like selling stuff door to door, when she's got like this photo business going on and uh, all this other stuff. And then, but like with Dell, when she's there and, and she's at the door and she's like, you want to buy some cookies? I'm like, this is, this is no fucking girl scout. What the fuck is she doing? Like, you know, right away that she's nowhere. And of course you find out that she stole the cookies and now she's selling them, which is just brilliant. But yeah, there's, there's, I see like the influences that you've all mentioned. And normally, like, you know, who would think that like Napoleon Dynamite and Charles Bronson could play together? But in this show, the way that it's done with the dark humor and those emotional moments, it just all comes together in this perfect storm, man. And I'm just, I don't know. Like, that's why I think this show is great for so many different people to check out because it, it'll, it'll hit that button that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. I think most of all that, you know, was the hardest thing to do was that balance of sure. comedy and heart and heart and action. And, you know, I'm, you know, obviously an emotional mess because it's all in there. And, you know, I would literally, you know, get, emo- you know, upset writing the scenes, you know, <laughs> like I would be as upset, you know, as the characters in there, I'd be really uh. moved by writing certain things. And it's, you know, those, I think most of uh, the stuff I do and hope to do in the future and there's, you know, a few things I'm trying to do. You know, I always say, like, it's broken people with a chance to be a hero. Mm. You know, and that, that's like, great. town of broken people. And I, they just, I'm fascinated with, yeah. you know, I think most of us broken in some way. And I think uh, trying to find our way through it, even if the hero is in small letters hero, you know, just a, a hero to ourselves or a hero to, you know, the people around us or... Yeah. You know, that's what I try to do. And in season two, I think you brought this up. The hard part, the really hard part is going to be that that show, you know, the first series had a very clear drive from I got to go get this car. Mm -hmm. I have the you know, I don't like to say the girl in the back of the bike. She's as much of a hero as Wayne is, Um, you know, going too far to get this bike and what awaits them. And that. That is going to just really inject a natural drive into a series hmm. from day to day. Are they going to make it? Are they going to have money? Are they going to lose money? Are they going to, you know, are they going to, you know, uh, with brothers on their tail and the cops on their tail? There's just this really natural momentum that's built in. So now that we're kind of like going to a new place or unexpected place, or it's about keeping that momentum in a way that isn't as easy. Um, so. You know, I definitely think we're up to the task. I already have a lot of plans as far as season two, and I've even there's even a thematic concept for season three. Um, wow. If I had my way, I'd love to do three. Did um, I, that would be kind of the complete arc I'm looking for. Did, mm. did did I read that you have an ending already in place for the whole series? I uh, came back from Toronto from filming season one, and then edited. For a few months, like mm-hmm. episode ten, obviously was a monster. Yeah. Um, and so I was editing for a while. I was laying on the floor with my one of my partners, Kirk Ward, 
and uh, rattling chains and doing ADR on the floor and sweating and like doing other people's voices and stuff. We were like, we really went nuts on that one. And, uh, and then I stopped and it might've just been out of exhaustion, but I sat down and wrote the last scene of the whole series. Wow. That's, inc- um, that's incredible. You've, you've done more than George R.R. R. R. Martin. Emotional. You've done more than, <laughs> you've done, you've done more writing than George R.R. R. Martin has done in the last like five years, sir. <laughs> Sorry. Has he still not come up with the ending? I don't know. He hasn't finished the book, dude. Like, like he's the guy is going to be 300 years old. He hasn't finished the book. What is happening? Just write the last book. That's one of my shameful. I have to admit, even though right now I'm just auditioning to be the third person on your podcast and push that sleepy guy out. I, he's I, actually, hey, I Sean, he's been game. on this. I have not seen Game of Thrones. <laughs> Sean, it's fine, Sean. He's actually, that third guy's been on this episode the entire time. He's just been napping. So he, <laughs> yeah, he, he might wake he, up halfway like through 50, this. <laughs> he was like 50 Cent as a rapper. You know, he has that sleepy thing going on that yeah. somehow was, he could make money off of a, a very sleepy rapper was financially... Yeah, I can't believe it. You know, uh, one of the one of the I have I've never seen Game of Thrones. Oh, you got to watch it, man. I'm telling you, like season. Okay, season. I don't know. Once you hit season four, season four is, in my opinion, the best season. Season five's great, but you. I think you got to you got to burn through those first like three seasons, and then like I I don't know, Rebecca. For you, did it? When did it start picking up for you, Game of Thrones? Yeah, you know, it's so funny, Sean, because I was not a week to week watcher of Game of Thrones. I hadn't watched not. I barely watched part of the first season so i kind of binged seasons one two and three i i would say once you get to like the red wedding which i think is in three season three, three. yeah i feel like from that point on the show is like in like batshit crazy good um and then there's like of course i think you know season four five uh are like outstanding seasons as a whole with you know certain episodes to me being like you know, like Battle of the Bastards, I think is probably my favorite episode of the entire series. Yeah, it's good. Um, Hard Home's good and, too. Yes, you're absolutely right. And I think um, the, the the season that just well that 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 just the the last season that aired they're they're off book because they're going into now basically <laughs> George R R Martin basically told the producers and writers, look, this is how it all ends, blah 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 blah, and but they don't have a book per se to go off of, so. Slightly different feel, but you know what, man? I mean, it's all on HBO. So I mean, like, if you have a, I don't know, if you want to burn through season one, two, and three mm-hmm. at least, and then see if it's for you. I mean, you know, it's all like medieval stuff, and you know, fighting with swords and and armor and shit. But I think that the that the characters are, are, are what kept me coming back for sure. Sean, for all that. season well, maybe season- maybe you should just end the whole series with a seven thirty four minute scene of Carl and Teddy wrestling. Uh, that, I mean, yeah, 34 minutes, each other. 34 Why minutes not? of the Champagne Brothers just wrestling and beating the shit out of each other using like Macho Man and Hulk Hogan voices would be incredible. I mean, I got to imagine that Game of Thrones would be so great if you could cut to the medieval versions of Carl and Teddy hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> what are they doing I, here? I, it's fucking yeah. dragons, bro. Fucking dragons. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh my great. God, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> what do they eat? Uh, fucking hotcakes. That's what they eat. Fucking hotcakes. 
<laughs> Dude, you're gonna get one of those fucking giant turkey legs. You want to get a giant turkey leg? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Like, I will say this. The movie, I will give you this one thing. The movie uh-huh. that I'm trying to write next, it does involve dragons. Mm. Ooh. Really? I like that. Okay. Is it, uh, are we talking live um, action or, live action or I animated? I have to go out and sell it. I have to go out and sell it so I can't tell you anything. But is it surprisingly... Li- so it's is it dragons. Live? Is it live action or animated? Live. Wow. I, I, I think there's there's an animated show I have that you know I'm going to go out with soon. But uh-huh. I would I don't I see too many. I have to go see too many animated movies with my kids to want to write an animated movie. It's just I'm burnt out on that. I'm telling Even you, I love them half the time. When you when you're looking for inspiration for dragon movies, and I just talked about this a few weeks ago, you need to watch the uh, uh, How to Train Your Dragon movies. I'm telling you, they do a great job with the They're dragons. They're really good. They're really good. I've seen them. Yeah. They're really good. They are really good. Um, I do love I do love them, but I ha- I do have to sit through a lot of terrible ones, like Hop. Oh, okay. I I never saw that one, but I I I mean, Which you said you have kids. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you. Yeah, you. You said earlier that you have kids, so I'm sure. I'm sure the kids uh, want to see stuff that you're just like, you know, shoot me now. I can't watch this anymore. Uh, there's some of it. Holy crap! I mean, there's I'm sure some, there are some. <laughs> oh, um, but you know, it's uh, I, I, me and my son have. It's the nicest thing that me and him mm. have had Star Wars movies and Marvel movies to yeah. kind of like. That was the thing we always did. The minute one of those things comes out, we buy tickets and we're in the theater on the first day. And we've really like, that's our thing together. And nice. That's I'm awesome. Really, everybody else is tired of those movies and I'm super grateful for them. Oh, that's all we talk about on this, on my podcast yeah. typically. <laughs> that's is, all we talk about yeah. is like yeah. Star Wars and Marvel. I'm not kidding. Hey, Sean, I'm not kidding you. Like uh, the Avengers Endgame Super Bowl spot that came out that was like, you know, 30 seconds long. We talked about it for a fucking hour. I'm not letdown. even. I'm and it not, was a letdown because there wasn't enough in it. It was like a ramp up thing that ramped up to nothing. But I have to tell you, like, I am a huge, huge. Like, if people complain about Infinity Wars, uh-huh. I'm like angry. <laughs> nice. I'm super yeah. angry about it. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I think it's. Yeah. It is unbelievable. I think it's unbelievably good. It's, it's better so than Black Panther. I it's, love yeah. Black Panther. So but did I. I don't. It's it's better. It's but it's better. Even though they have. Black, yeah. I mean, like you're um, you're kind of splitting hairs, but like between how good they are, but you know the way that the Russo brothers balance like all those characters, it seems impossible, and they did it. Like there's, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, fifty plus yeah. characters, and like you know, they give us all the ones that we want. Yeah, we didn't get any Hawkeye, but did we ever get any Hawkeye in any other previous film? Um, you know, okay. What are both of your favorite? If you had to pick a number one. Uh-huh. Marvel movie, what would it be? I got you right now. Gun to your head. Gun to my head. I got to go with the first Avengers because I'm going based on how I felt going into that theater and how I felt walking out. Like there never, that was an event, Sean. Like we'd never seen the culmination of all like, like four of the four or five of these movies. And then all of a sudden we get like this big event film like that had never been done. And we get that shot of like the Avengers and they're panning around in the circle and you see Black Widow, you see Iron Man, you see Thor, you see Hulk. You know, you see oh. Hawkeye, Captain America, and they're all in their stances. We'd never seen that before. So it's it's that movie for me was like the pinnacle. I, I still get emotional when he does. I'm always angry. I still get emotional. Mm. Uh-huh. That's a, that, Every time I'm like, oh, shit. Scene. 
And then he yeah. punches yeah, that yours? space whale in the face. Rebecca, what's yours? Oh, uh, without hesitation, Captain America 2 Winter Soldier. It is my yes, absolute that's the one. Dude, you win. Brian, goodbye is, forever. I didn't know this was like I didn't know this was a fucking contest. Bye, Brian. No, you, no, but here's the thing. You both you both those are the two best movies. Those are the two best movies There's and I go ball. back and forth because the only the I think the only reason I might pick Civil War every time yeah. is because Avengers is obviously the one that kicked it off and the one that's perfect and comedy. It's so funny. I mean, yeah. punching the, you know, Hulk punching Thor and all that stuff. But, you know, in the end, I think because no one, not enough people just generally say Winter Soldier is like a perfect movie, which it is. It's a conspiracy thriller. It's, oh, my. It's awesome. Dude, dude. I mean, let me, oh, let me tell you. You guys something. are going with such Robert, a, that is such a hipster answer, Sean. Whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm drinking my coffee out of my mason jar. As <laughs> Fuck um, you. <laughs> <laughs> I live in New York City. This is where the hipsters uh, like, They're all here. Yeah, between uh. New York and between New York and Portland. <laughs> Pretty much. I, I will say I will say this, Sean. Robert Redford. Yeah, that's I, great. Come fucking on. You landed Robert Redford as your villain in this movie. Ugh. First of all, I'm there. That's number one. Number two, it's a Captain America movie. I love Captain America. Number three, it's a spy thriller. I love spy yep. movies. And at its core, The Winter Soldier is a family story. It is an intimate, personal story between two men who are brothers in arms, who have been separated and reunited and separated again. That is why I love it. It is practically a perfect movie. It's and the then, music, then the you, pacing. You cut it down. If you cut it down to its bare Action sequences, the elevator scene, the Sam oh. Jackson in the car scene. Fuck the yes. I mean, it's insane. There's like six sequences in that movie Incredible. that were top tier, top tier, better than. I mean, that's my one. I have two problems with, you know, I love Black Panther. I have two problems with it is the action I didn't love. Um, and we had done Civil War already, which like a long time ago. And the action sequences are that much better. Like they're that much better. Mm-hmm. And I, I get what you're otherwise, saying. Otherwise, the the Killmonger story and the emotion of that story and the two brothers and the father is one of the best things they've oh, ever done. So by true. Far. You know, well, you, know what, you know what? You know You know what? The biggest outrage of this is you guys are talking about <laughs> civil war and you're, you're you're praising. You're over there. You're praising uh, Robert Redford, but the real villain of that movie was George St. Pierre as Batroc Zeleper. And I've heard talk about another great action sequence. <laughs> that action great. sequence, the opening is incredible. It was this, that, that, that was the best use of the shield I have ever seen. Yes, that was. Oh, I have oh to that's say, true too. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree with you. But sh- how about that moment in the elevator scene where the all these guys are getting on, and Cap knows what's about to happen. He just says before we. Be- what does he say? Uh, before we get started, does anybody want to get off? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Like, oh, it's, the, it's I, so tough. Yeah. I, saw, I saw that in the theater, and I was like, oh, my God. What's going to happen now? And then, oh, it's just an incredible action scene. Then he jumps out of the elevator. Oh, my God. I, I'm going to go watch in, that movie in, right now. Goodbye, guys. I have to go. But in, in, I <laughs> might, too. I have to go to a daddy-daughter dance, which is super Wayne. 
I'm going to a daddy daughter dance, which is super tough. Guitar sting. <laughs> daddy daughter. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if we're going back to Wayne, like that, the last thing, like I'll really say about, you know, building the show, which is yeah. hard is like, so once in a while you get people who would be like, Oh, it's so weird. It goes to those places with the violence, like the hyper violence, which I always say when we get to those action sequences, I like to take it off the ground a little bit. Like, it's the one place where it's a little ungrounded. You can go a little stretch, you know, reality a tiny bit like a Western or a graphic novel. Like, I like those to be the kind of, you know, a little too much blood, a little bit too much. Like, I, I grew up loving Evil Dead 2. Like, that was one of my favorite things in the world. I watched 100 million times. And to add that aspect of the show in, you know, where we just do go a tiny bit too far, the violence, it's all based off of those movies. Again, it goes back to those 70s conspiracy thrillers and First Blood and all that stuff. So I do try to get a little like there are moments like I was writing this episode 201 and I was like, what's that moment that's like, does anybody want to get off? You know, like, where do I throw in that kind of on the line, slightly like cool, slightly cheesy action line Mm. for Wayne or somebody else like Geller saying, let's begin the unfortunates. You know, like yeah. that stuff. There was once, there was once a line in that scene where the guy goes, uh, "I think Calvin says you're not taking my ass on my watch," and and Geller goes, "Unfortunately for you, I'm the only one wearing a watch." <laughs> That's great. Um, oh man! And you know, it's like I like I like a little bit to throw in those kind of like, you know, slick action bits that kind of yeah. are fact to that is part of the comedy. Yeah. You know, as part of the, as part of the stylistic gunslinger scene. That's a, know, that's so. a wink. That's a wink to us fans that grew up on that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and we love that. Some and, people, that's, the, that's the only criticism I've seen. That's like the one thing that people have questioned like two times. Oh, wow. See, I, like, I love it. it need to go there? I love it. And th- that's part of the reason that I love the Expendables movies, too, is because, like, they're just, like, the whole movie is just, like, a wink and a nod to, like, 80s and 90s action fans, you know? Um, mm-hmm. what, what is yeah, it? For sure. What is the... What is the that's the de- balancing act. Yeah. What, what is the... the I, I want to know the story because, like, I, I, you got the Terminator 2 reference in this in this series, and I love that because Terminator 2 is my favorite movie of all time. And and then I'm also a big fan of Conan the Barbarian. I, I read the comics and and uh, I, I watch the Schwarzenegger films. And so it's like, what? How did those get worked into this story? Are, are you a fan of those properties? I my father was. It was so funny. My dad was kind of a guy who didn't really have a childhood because his you know he had a rough childhood with his father, and it's too a little too depressing to get into. But he was always like when they had us. Uh, you know, young, my parents were 18 when they started it. They had my brother and 20, you know, two when they had me. Um, and my father was always kind of, he never got to have a childhood mm. in, and he never got to even have a teen kind of years, uh, in his life. So he always loved those dumb movies and he always wanted to go to, you know, Disney world. And he, and he wanted to, um, he loved Cohen. Like I remember he was, he was kind of like the, really bloody action like yeah. when i was a kid he would love that bloody action and he loved the original conan movie nice it kind of says a lot about my dad that his favorite movie was conan the barbarian that's awesome mm. like, <laughs> what kind of guy is that well you can probably you know figure it out 
Um, yeah. So I, I just I was kind of writing a story about a barbarian, right? Yes, I mean, yes. Or someone mm-hmm. who thought he For was sure. or lived like one. Yeah. So that... it was only natural. Yeah, it was only I'm... natural that he was a barbarian fan, and yeah. We get to meet Conan the Barbarian. I thought that that <laughs> – see, that, that – that, okay, that really did it for me in episode 10 when we got the bowling alley scene and he's like – it's like, you know, it's one thing to watch True Romance and watch like Christian Slater talk to like Elvis. But like it was another thing on another level to see like Wayne talk to Conan. I was like, okay, this is even better because like I'm a bigger fan of Conan and the relationship that kind of like – I don't know the way that Wayne sees himself as this barbarian and like see those two like do what they did that combo move on that guy. And the I, I loved everything about that scene. Oh, yeah. I thought it was beautiful just because like it, I that I stood up when I saw the footage at the end of them bringing down their weapons and the blood yes. squirting in their faces. Like I <laughs> yeah. like stood up in my chair like, oh, you know, yeah, <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah, because that kid needed somebody to stick up for him because, like, a lot of kids do get verbally abused by their fathers or, or mothers or whatever. And that because I was I grew up uh, I grew up in a, uh, a verbally abusive environment. And, you know, that that scene really hit me that Wayne was there to kind of like and it, it took that it took that in my life for somebody to tell me, like, the way that I was talked to was like that. That's not right. They, you shouldn't have been told those things. You, you know, you shouldn't have. Right. You, you know, it was never really physically abusive when I was growing up. It was verbally abusive. And I and and um, to have Wayne kind of like step in there and stop this guy. Um, that meant a lot to me. Yeah. I, I, I thought that that was a powerful scene. So I absolutely love that. So I think that was just a. I feel like that was a way of life back in the day where it was just like we didn't realize the impact. Yeah. They didn't realize the impact that this was having, the way we talk to children, the way we talk to each other. Right. Boston's a rough place, man. I'm not saying it's any rougher than anywhere else, but Boston people, like, they're just constantly, you know, chipping away at you all the time. It's a, you know, block on your shoulder type mm. of thing. But in the end, Conan just seemed to be, like, it worked out um, that Conan really was the perfect kind of thing for this for the series and in the end coming to the end of a story where this kid obviously when you feel like civilization has rejected you yeah you're going to say civilization is bullshit which is a, is is out of the conan you know the conan story yeah um he sees that he's gonna take comfort in the fact that he's a barbarian and then geller comes along yep sergeant with the heart of a poet who says you are not that you do things out of love you do things to help people. Yes. You want to be this. You're taking the confidence in no matter how much, you know, life is shit on you. You know, you do this everything out of love. And it takes Wayne to realize that that's everything. I mean, this. Yeah. I mean, really, in the end, this is about two kids trying to find their place in the earth through family, through unconventional family. What's it going to be? And I think yeah. that's going to be the story we're telling going forward from episode one to episode mm. three if we get to do it. I love it. because you know, it's, it's not, yeah. you know, and, and sometimes we get to do cool action shit and people get their fucking teeth busted out. Right. But there's more. There's so much yeah. more to it. And I, what I love is, um, the like, what you're saying here is Wayne is affecting people in such a positive way. And, and we really got to see how positively he affected Dell and like what he did for her unbeknownst to her. She didn't even know what he was doing in the background. And then when it finally hit her, I think that that was just a a beautiful thing because I feel like, you know, she's kind of seen like the men in her life kind of like, 
I don't know, not really be a positive impact ever ever since like you know her mother you know took her life and everything. We've kind of seen like that. I mean, doesn't I mean I gotta think that some of these kids that are in these situations mm-hmm. have to be starting a way where they're like, why didn't they fight for me? Why didn't mom? my mother do better yeah yeah because because, and again it's more complicated than that because these people are sick i mean Mm -hmm. these people have issues from their own families or they have drug addiction or whatever it is but dell changed forever on the day her mom died because not just because she lost her mother she lost her father and because she finally was like no one why wouldn't anybody change for me yeah didn't they love me enough you know you gotta think that i mean look at wayne's mom yeah. She's a person who just tries to push away the bad in her mind. You just see her going, don't think about the bad. Don't think about the bad. It's all fun. And once she starts to think about who she is yep. and what she's done and that she couldn't be the mother that the father wanted or, or Wayne needed, you know, she, she you see her in that moment where she tells the story to Michael Malley on the floor after the puppies where she's like, all of a sudden the truth comes to her and she doesn't want it there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's these people who can't, you know, broken people again. You have a chance to either be, quote-unquote, a small-letter hero, which obviously Michaela Watkins has not done, at least up to this point. Dell's mother did not do up to this point. Mm-hmm. Daddy went the other way. You know, Wayne went one way. Dell went one way. Mm. It's, it's kind of like, like where we all meet in the middle and go, which way are we going to split when we are all broken by something? Yeah, And what's going to heal us? What's going to save us and push us back to the right direction? I mean, I think, I mean, I've never said this out loud, but I think when you look at it that way, it's about where we, we're all broken people. We're all, mm. you know, it's, it's about where we, where we take our turns based on the things that happen to us. Cause something's going to always fucking happen to us. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. even if it's the simplicity of losing someone you love, yeah. Something, yeah. life is not, life is not cool, man. It really like. A lot of times life is not cool and it's not going to be cool. You're just going to have to figure out that, that that's life and it's which way you bend. I, you the, know, so. the, we, with Dell, it was like one of those things where it's like we saw these bad things happen. We saw that she was like this really sweet girl. She had really pure intentions, wanted to make a difference, wanted to be a, a real good influence. And then like all these bad things started to happen. And we're like worried about this girl taking this dark path. But then like. She's she's even stealing, like taking after her mother, doing bad things. But then we see here do, what she does in the pawn shop. I was just like, and then wanting to, mm-hmm. and then and then wanting to go to the funeral. I was like, no, she's still that same good influence. She's still that. She's still got that in her. She's not. She's not. She's not Anakin. Yeah. She's not turned to the dark side yet. Yeah. No, that's Any that's a great point. Any... That... No, please don't. Sorry. Um, no, no, I was going to say that, that that's a really great point that that you bring up, Brian. And I think we, we've kind of just been talking about that this whole time, about how we're all a little bit broken in different ways, maybe. And certainly some people are more broken than others. Uh, and that's just a fact of that's just a, a, a reality for some people. <laughs> I am the I am the red circle of death on your Xbox as a person. That is, you know, that red ring of death on the Xbox. That is me as a person. <laughs> <laughs> but I I mean, like the thing with with Dell and Wayne, 
for sure these are two people that are broken, but at their core, at their core, they're both good people in their own way. And clearly, like with Wayne, maybe it's not super clear right away, but mm-hmm. Wayne has a clear has a clear moral compass. So when when he goes after somebody, you know it has to be for a reason. So like even when we got to the scene towards the end with the garden gnome and he's beating this kid up, I I, I said to myself, okay, this kid had to have done something really terrible because Wayne doesn't just go after people. And then sure enough, it is revealed what this kid did and how it's really all tied together. And even with Dell, you know, she at her core is a good person also. And we saw moments of that. So like, I don't know, like part of uh, for season two, I just I really want to find I really want to see these kids find their way back to each other and 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 just continue watching them do crazy things. But I, I want to see them grow and evolve, too. And I'm sure you have all those plans for for season two as well. Yeah, a lot of it is, you know, the, that is the core of the show. The engine of the show is the romance whether you want to call it even if it is a romance that it's it's the relationship between these two kids and however it suffers out mm. um that's the engine um yeah. it, it, everything else is you know it's it, it is the fun stuff and the and the journey and the that's that's always the fun part but it's really at the core of these two kids and if you do not if you don't care about them which i think we did a great job in, in doing in the pilot enough that I think you guys care about these characters. Um, you know, it's not going to matter much if you don't care about them. I think that whole pilot is just, you know, making you see that Wayne, what kind of kid Wayne is, what kind of Dell, and saying these kids have, you know, been given a shit deal. Yeah. You know, we're going to, we want to go on this journey and root for them. And I think you immediately do. Mm-hmm. Um, director Ian McDonald did a great job. You know, he comes from the Shameless. Uh, he's the producing director of Shameless, and mm. he did a great job kind of building a world in which, you know, it's the harsh landscape, you know, and these two kids in it, and, you know, you care about them. There's no doubt. Sean, I don't want to. I don't want to keep you much longer. We've been we've been talking for so long, and I I, I feel selfish trying to keep you on as long as we have. Um, well, I'm, well, I'm, I'm coming back in like three weeks, right, guys? Absolutely, back, absolutely, so. absolutely. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah, that other guy, Sleepy uh, Sleepy McGee, that we had on the show is gone. <laughs> I love Sleepy, though. I know. I it. it sounds like an insult, but I like his personality <laughs> in the show. It's like a little bit, little bit more laid back, bro. Yeah, exactly. Um, I Okay, I'm going to try to help out my boy Peyton Meyer here. Um, maybe have him, like, now he's, he's got a kid coming, and uh, we want to know that he's going to be the father. And now he's got a job at the... Uh, at the as a correctional officer at the juvenile detention center that Wayne is working at. Uh, it'll it, that that's that's going to seem too quick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. We got to get. I mean, you know who people, especially my son and one of the producers, like uh-huh. people people adore that police that deputy at the end who's throwing a party for himself, Darren. Oh, that guy! <laughs> yeah, like for some reason, everybody adores that dude. It, like in my family, like producers, like he's so funny. Uh, that's another guy who we just like. Yeah, got to find a place for him. Who we just got lucky. Ah, oh, so good, so good, Sean. I 
it's been a blast talking with you. I mean, I I'm not trying to cut you off short. I just I don't want to. I, I feel like we've, we've 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 taken enough of your time. No, I I keep going. I got to go to this dance though, super metal, um, daddy daughter dance that I'm going to. <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, so, but I appreciate yeah. you having me. I appreciate the support, you know, yeah. the show because, you know, it's that's the one thing that's really tough. It's always we have the dead cool guys, and that really, mm-hmm. you know, has been a great help to us both yeah. creatively and getting the word out there. People are obviously attracted to that, but you know, you look and it's like really, it's, it's hard to get reviews. It's mm-hmm. hard to get. We don't really have like a you know huge star. Um, we don't have, you know, we're on YouTube premium, but I mean, it looks like a ton of people are watching it. There's no doubt, I, yeah. you know, but this, you know, we really appreciate this kind of, uh, this kind of thing and trying to find more ways to do it and more ways to get out there. There's always help. If anybody, uh, you know, that's the one I think you were asking earlier. It's the one thing, yeah. you know, like you were saying, you're up on Rotten Tomatoes and you're yes. over at IMDb and if you guys want a season two, you know. If you can think of anything like that, I'm sure, you know, every little bit helps. And, you know, we have what I think is some sort of, like, hit, I yeah. think. It seems like yeah. a lot of people are watching it. Absolutely. Um, join the, join the, join so, the uh, tweet about it. Tweet. Uh, use the hashtag Wayne. Uh, throw up the hammer emoji as many times as you can. Tweet at YouTube. Let them know that you're watching the show. Let them know that you're watching the show. Uh, let them, I mean, let them know that you're a fan of the show. Get on IMDb. Give each, and don't just give it like, oh, if you want the show to come back, give it a 10. I always, anything I like, even if I, I give it a 10 every time. I give everything that I like to 10 because I, I want them to know – I want it to come back. And so I give each episode a 10. I give the show overall a 10. You know, Do these things. Tweet about it. Use hashtags. Uh, tweet at YouTube. Do all these things so like you're not having to start a change.org petition to get said show to come back on the air. <laughs> exactly. Like let's, let's be and, preemptive and about – the, like, They do. YouTube looks at the – I come to find out they really look at this stuff. Yes. They yeah. really look at like comments under the episodes. They look at tweets. They look at like ratings. They they look at all like I didn't think they did, but it seems to be a thing that they really care about. So right. you yeah. know, keep it up. I you know I really appreciate the support, and you know I'll come back anytime. So yeah, I'll, I'll be listening too. So I appreciate it, man. Yep. Rebecca, thank you. We, oh, thank yeah. you, Sean. This was great, Sean. This is a blast. This is a blast. I've had a. I, I don't know. It's it's cool. Like it's not only is it like. See, that's the thing. It's like not only are we, we talking about Wayne, something that we love, but you're a cool-ass fucking dude. Right? Well, thanks, man. Right, Rebecca? I, I mean, I mean, Sean's my new best friend, so yeah, he's pretty cool. Oh, I know. I know. You hey, too. Man, we got to talk about... We got to talk about the best Marvel movie. Oh, oh, did we? Oh, did we? I was totally on the outs of that conversation, wasn't I? Avengers. I I split those two movies constantly. I'm like Avengers: Civil War, Avengers: Civil War. Yeah, they're definitely the two best fights. Sean, you don't have to lie to me to make me feel better, man. It's 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 funny. No, it's the truth. How can you? Yeah. I mean, if you're not putting Avengers up there every other six months, yeah. it really is, but it, there's nothing wrong with that movie. It's perfect. Uh, now, if I've right, learned, dude, yeah, thank you so much. Thank for you. Me. We really appreciate it. All right, man. Keep listening. Take care. <laughs> Take care, Sean. Later. There's already like seven million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that makes us happy, like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the left. Door.
leftovers picking up the scraps dropped by the cool kids it, it, it's a trap could it toss it could it taste it do we love it hey let's face it can't erase it let's embrace it tupperware party subculture spill over like a vulture carry over counterculture pushovers pop culture leftovers and with the uncool kids what's to say has already been said leftovers pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers Originally good have already been done before So we should Separate the wheat from the shaft And we're the shaft The crap Even though we're the shit Woo! We're the leftovers Picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Good it toss it Good it taste it. Do we love it? Hey let's face it Can't erase it Let's embrace it Tupperware party Subculture spill over Like a vulture Carry over Counterculture pushover Pop culture Leftovers And we're the uncool kids What's to say has already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace it, Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carryover, counterculture, pushover, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture, leftovers.